This is Tony Berluti. You're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. What's up, you guys? Jeremy McGrath here. You are listening to Moto X Pod Show. Episode 114 tonight with uh, all our normal sponsors on board. I'm in the studio by myself. Let's do the sponsor read real quick. Uh, quick. Obviously, the title sponsor of the Pulp Mech Show, as always, is Torque One Racing. If you're looking for uh, high-quality performance parts such as grips, pegs, handlebars, shifters, brake pedals, uh, and much more, Johnny at Torque One Racing has a passion for the racing industry and great products at great prices. So follow them on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Uh, we also have MX Girl Designs for all your graphics needs, shock socks, all-sport dynamic wrist braces, Mad Jack Synthetics, Dane Evans uh, is an independent Amsoil dealer, Fly Racing, Power Band Racing, uh, which is your WP service center, Extreme Colors, Kirk Hunters, hel- uh, pe- helmet painting, custom helmet painting company. Uh, all helmets are 295. Cannot beat that. And Brett Hooper with Works Wheels and Mods for motor motor work and Cerakoting. Please use all our sponsors. Contact these guys. Um, it, you know they they support the show, so I need you to support them. It mean a lot to us. Yeah, we got a uh, really exciting weekend. Just got done, got over with with some great racing. Up in Detroit, um, you know, the Triple Crown Series, we're going to get uh, JT Cooley on the phone, talk to him a little bit, maybe TJ if we have some time. Great show tonight with uh, NBC's reporter Will Christian, Kyle Peters from JGR Suzuki, the Cobra David Villeman, and Doc Bodner with uh, the Alpine Star Mobile Alpine Stars Mobile Medical Cent- uh, Center. You guys know these are, they're always trackside at Supercrosses and Nationals taking care of our riders. So yeah, great show lined up. We've got a really cool Amsoil giveaway that uh, Dane Evans presented to us, and we have a new sponsor on board that I'm going to tell you guys about here just in a few minutes. So uh, yeah, let me get some things wrapped up. We'll get JT on the phone. We'll discuss Detroit a little bit, and then we'll get into all our guests here shortly. All right, on the line with me is our sometimes co-host, sometimes truck driver, JT Cooley. What's up, JT? How's it going, man? Going good, dude. Just sitting here in studio, about to kick off a, another episode, episode 114. 114, Nick Smith. Yeah, yeah, there you go. So, man, we just came off a really exciting weekend in Detroit with the Triple Crown. Um, but before we talk about that, man, we have a new sponsor um, I haven't told anybody about yet. They just He just came on board. Uh, hey, JT, have you ever tried to buy a house? Yeah, it's a royal pain in the dick. 
Yeah, I've, I've never done it yet, but uh, we've got uh, Kyle Tucker, who's a realtor with Keller Williams Key Partners. Um, he's a realtor, and he just came on board. Um, he's a Moto fan. He listens to the show. Man, whether you're looking to buy a house or sell your home, Kyle and his team, they want to guide you through the process, start to finish. Uh, they're Moto, you know, he's a Moto fan, so we want to support the Moto community. Uh, community. You know, so as always, we encourage you to support those who support, support our show. So, yeah, Kyle Tucker, um, you can give him a call at 913-744-4790 or email him at kyletucker at kw.com. Like I said, he's with uh, Key Partner, um, Keller Williams Key Partners. And even if you're not in, he can help you anywhere in the country, get you set up to buy a house. So, JT, if you want to buy another house, Kyle Tucker's your guy, man. All right. So, yeah, man, um, what do you think about Detroit? What were your thoughts? What do you take away from it? Man, it was cool to see Portner sweep uh, all three. That was that was cool. I, never, I, heard, I know they said nobody's ever done that before, but that was pretty cool. Yeah, and he got, a, you know, for like a, a about half a lap, he had a little bit of uh issue there with Jordan Smith. Jordan passed him, and then he just took yep. it over and was gone, man. He's he's on point this year for sure. Yeah, yeah he has definitely surprised me. I've honestly expected him to uh, wad his brains out already. <laughs> well, In a race. I know he's done it in practice, but yeah, well, seen it in a race. You know, and, and do you think his mentality will change any with uh, the showdown this coming weekend? Man, I think it would have to. It's going to be, I don't, I don't know if he wins this weekend in Atlanta. Yeah, uh, I, I don't, I, I don't either, to be honest. Um, yeah. I think, I think it, it's AC as, as the favorite. Yeah. Um, and I'll see how clean they race each other. Yeah, it's going to be interesting. Um, I'm just hoping that he, you know, I, I hope that Austin, if he does get second, third, if he's, you know, if he's back a little bit, I hope he is able to just stay calm and, man, not worry about it. You know, just take the yeah. race as it comes. Yeah, I mean, he's got a, uh, I don't know, 10 or 12 point point lead, I think. I'm not looking at it in front front of me, but. I know he's won all three. I think you know he's got seventy-eight points, and nobody, nobody else has been that you know real consistent. But other Jordan Smith, I think, been on the podium twice. Yeah, but yeah, he's definitely got a good little cushion. If he can just keep it together mentally, mentally, he'll be good. Yeah, and I think the West Coast guys are faster anyway. So I don't think you know it'll probably be AC and then you know Fortner will round out the podium somewhere. Right. Yeah, but, I agree. I agree. Um, well, how about the four fifties, man? Like Eli is back, or at least he was last weekend. Yeah, um, those were two and a half awesome mains. You know, he didn't get the <laughs> third win, but he came from way back. Yeah. So. Uh, so, like you know, we've been talking all season, of course. Or at least for me, <laughs> Eli. Eli is my was my favorite to win the yep. series. Um, you know, he hasn't. We say he's been unimpressed, or I, he hasn't been as impressive as in the past. He's still right there in third. But then you have Cooper Webb, who's been a bit of a surprise, and uh, yeah. you know, like trying to decide if we're going to jump on that bandwagon. Is he for real? Started out the the day during qualifying and practice, not great, not great in the first main, and then he wins the last main. The dude is for real. Yeah, I mean, Cooper is. It uh, definitely surprised me this year. Um, and it's bad as it is, you know, 
that Yamaha must have been that bad, or at least for him. For him, yeah. Yeah, I mean, look, if you're not happy, if, if something's making you uncomfortable, or even with just the team, if he wasn't happy, then that all that stuff trickles downhill. You know, we, we have real jobs. If you got to work with somebody that you don't like or have a boss yeah. you don't like or a, a situation, it, it just it makes you negative. You can't help it. For sure. So what are your – okay, so you who are your top three for this coming weekend in the showdown? Give me your top three, your podium. I like Dylan as a pick. We've got David Villeman on tonight, so I'm definitely nice. definitely excited to see what he has to say about Dylan. And, you know, there's, um, you know, Jay Sowers coming into the series this weekend. You know, he just finished out that kicker in Yeah. He ended up staying over there and won the title. I don't – man, I hope he can make it into the race and see what he can do. I know it's going to be hard, but – Yeah, that, that, that could be a really good pick in uh, fantasy. Fantasy, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I bet he's going to have a good handicap. You would think, but we'll see. I know he hasn't raced Supercross, I think, since 2014. Oh, okay, yeah. It's been that long, huh? Yeah, he's been over in Arena Cross uh, since then. I don't think his East Coast Supercross went real well last time. Right, right. Well, speaking of fantasy, uh, you're you're killing it. Um, I've had a couple couple good weeks for myself. I got 266 this last week. Thank you very much. Yeah. Yep. I'm, try- uh, I'm sitting 43rd overall in the whole game. <laughs> yeah. I think so. I'm like, I think I've moved up into the top thousand, but I don't remember where I am. But I'm I'm trying to catch up to you. Yeah. Um, I had 259. Uh, I had a couple. You no, know, Roxon didn't give me my first lap leader and knocked me down a little bit. And then yeah. uh, uh, Dino kind of hurt me on the all star kick. But other than that, I mean, there really wasn't anybody else you could pick that would have done any better than who I got. You know, I just kind of messed up on first lap leader and stuff yeah well, I, took, I think a lot of people had kenny you know, i so. i did yeah i did also so but i got fortner right so it didn't yep. a complete waste so well uh, all right so this weekend ac or fortner for first lap leader oh, i'm gonna go ac <laughs> see i'm if just I not gonna one, pick, i'm I not pick, picking yeah. one yeah if i pick one it'll be ac but i think i'm gonna go back to not like i've picked them the past three weekends and like i've never picked them last year and it's Got me scared again. But. Right. Yeah. I'm not picking yeah. one this weekend. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, man, um, any other takeaways from this weekend? I mean, we, we saw, uh, saw, uh, Dino get kind of taken out a little bit, but it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't too bad. Uh, you know, I mean, anything in particular that you saw that stood out to you that was exciting or upset you or anything like that? Oh, uh, that, uh, they took out the quad. I was yep. kind of bummed about that. And then that double-double in front of the finish line was horrid. Right. Like, Eli ate the handlebars every single lap if yeah. he didn't triple it. Like, yeah. yeah, it was too short. Like, I, it, just, it was yeah. odd. Well, like, the landing of it was 14 foot tall, and then <laughs> the next one was, like, two foot. So. Right, right. Yeah, it was kind of odd, but it, it it was cool, though. What this, It was, like, a cool yeah. visual. Yeah, like I'm sure it looks cool for everybody that didn't have to race. Right. So, I think they've done a really good year that, or a good job this year on tracks. It's been different. There's yeah, been, and it's the been track exciting. was good. Yeah. Well, oh, I was, dude. Oh, Chad Reed, like, dude, he rode awesome. Yeah. Like, got a podium. Yeah. So, <laughs> do, do you think that means, uh, like, 
he's in for next year now. Hey, I got a podium. I'm I'm good to go for next year. Man, I heard the uh, press conference, and he said he would like to come back. Um, didn't say for sure either way, but right. he said he would like to come back. He didn't want to retire. I mean, I guess if I guess we'll see how the CBD sponsor plays out. But I think that'll <laughs> yeah. be his be his ticket back for next year. I mean, that'll be where his money comes from. Right. Well, I think he's got a good thing with JGR, and I, I, they have to be happy with his presence. Uh, you know, I mean, he's definitely doing better than Justin Hill. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's, <laughs> I man, I hate that for Justin. It's just, yeah, nothing's nothing's working. Um, I see JGR going through a complete revamping again next year. Yeah, he won't be there. No, no. He, I mean, if he races next year, it'll probably be Rock River somewhere. Like, um, you know, I mean, not saying Rock River is a bad team. It's just. That's where he's going to end up. Right. How about uh, how about a Michael Lessie coming back? Whole shot. I was going to bring that up, man. Whole shot lead the first lap. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if he could. I don't think he's got a full lap in him. I, I'm, I wouldn't pick him. That's for sure. Uh, it's too risky. Yeah, I don't. I don't know what his handicap's going to be, but I'm afraid he's going to pull off. Right. Yeah. And I might throw my phone through the TV if he did. <laughs> so. Uh, well, I need you to have a really bad week, so I got to catch up, man. Yeah. yeah. What are you? What are you in points in our league now? Uh, I don't know. I'd have to pull it up. Yeah. So, yeah. I know but, you've moved up for sure. So. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know what's going on, man. It's been a couple of good weeks for me. So everybody's been yeah. finishing. Well, cool. Yeah, that, I'll uh, I'm gonna no. wrap up with you. We got yeah. uh, we got Will Christian coming on here in a minute. We're gonna talk a little bit about uh, announcing and, and her job with NBC. All right, JT. We'll, uh, yeah, man. Hopefully, you'll be back in studio next week. I think TJ supposed he was supposed uh, to be here tonight, but his schedule. Yeah, I think I will be because we're going to Daytona, and I'll, me and Doc are leaving uh, Wednesday. So yeah, I should okay. be should be home. So. Cool, man. Well, I'll holler at you. Be safe, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Cool. Sounds good. All Bye. right, bud. See ya. All right. So yeah, that's JT Cooley. Like I said, just uh, if you guys are looking for real estate, uh, looking to buy or sell, Kyle Tucker with. Keller, Keller Williams Key Partners. Um, he contacted me. He he listens to the show. He he's also a pulp listener, so he's into the industry. He's into the sport, and we need to support those guys. I mean, they're coming on board. They're going to help us out, be a part of our show. We need to give back so that that you know he can continue to do what he likes to do, and they can continue to support the show, and we can grow. So yeah, Kyle Tucker nine one three seven four 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 seven nine zero, or email him at Kyle Tucker at kw.com and we'll be back with Will Christian right our first guest of the night is brought to you by Mad Jack Synthetics Dane Evans and Mad Jack Synthetics is an independent dealer of Amsoil Synthetic Oils for all your Amsoil needs, contact Madjack Synthetics at 805-531-9551 or at madjackdiesel.shopamsoil.com. And stay tuned to the end of the show. We have a really cool giveaway with uh, Madjack Synthetics and Amsoil. But on the phone with us is NBC track reporter Will Christian. How are you doing, Will? Doing good. Thank you, Jamie. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. I'm glad that we, we were able to get this your, the schedule worked out. Um you know, you, you've been doing the outdoor nationals for a couple of years, and this is your first year with Supercross. And first of all, I'm going to tell you, you're doing a fantastic job. Oh, thank you. I appreciate it. Well, you're welcome. You know, as a longtime fan, we, we kind of get 
you know, we get connected with the people that do the broadcasting, whether it be Ralph or Jeff, uh, you know, um, Georgia Lindsay for a while. And then when they leave, it's kind of, it's sad. But then when somebody comes in and takes their spot and they're, they're every bit as good and we, we grow that bond with them. And, and yeah, I think you are doing a fantastic job and it seems like the fans are supporting you. Yeah, well, as far as I know, you know, I try not to dig too deep on Twitter, you know, because you never know what you might find. <laughs> yeah, for sure. <laughs> but uh, but, um, but I've had some really good feedback. Thank you. Yeah, I mean, honestly, both motocross and supercross fans are, are very dedicated, as you know. And um, and when I get to meet them at the, at the races and stuff, and any time they show their support, obviously, that's great. Because they're, whilst, whilst we spend our, you know, Saturdays talking to to the fans at home you don't actually get to spend time with them necessarily unless you know you, you meet them at the races and stuff um so that, to hear that feedback is, is really important to us because that's who we're talking to that's why we're there yeah and um and it's, it's always it's always really good to hear that what it, how did you get started in journalism and tv to begin with was that a goal from you know when you were younger or did you kind of just fall into it how did it come about um, yeah, no, I, it wasn't honestly a goal when I was younger. I mean, I, I do come from a family where I have uh, members of my family, one of six kids. Um, I have a sister who was and is a TV host, uh, not covering sports. She does entertainment. She's done travel. And my brother um, also works in the business um, behind the camera. Okay. So it, it wasn't an alien thing by any means <laughs> in that sense. But to be honest, it wasn't something that I I was like, that's what I'm going to do. I, I just kind of supported them in it. And I was like, yeah, that's really cool. Um, but I, um, my background is that of a professional wakeboarder. So I rode and competed and at my living doing that and coaching as well for over 10 years. So that was my avenue through as, as you kind of tend to see a lot these days are these sort of people coming from sort of the broadcasting school side of things mm-hmm. or they're coming from the sports side of things and we see these days a lot more athletes crossing over into broadcasting um, because you're coming from a that side of things. So then you start talking about your sport. You, For me, for example, I studied covering wakeboarding. I, I would do our coverage and, you know, so you're kind of talking from a, a pundit standpoint, if you like. Yeah. Um, and then that grew from then. I sort of went into action sports. Um, I was very involved with Rebel Media House and they put me into some fantastic opportunities with different action sports and that led to motorsports. Um, I ended up covering Global Rallycross. Um, and then Global Rallycross went to motocross, and motocross came over to Supercross, and here I am talking to you, James. <laughs> yeah, did, yeah, did you have any understanding or history with motocross and Supercross? Uh, was it something that you followed, uh, family involved with it in any way? Um, I mean, not not deep-rooted by any means. I didn't grow up riding or anything like that. I mm-hmm. definitely, through my uh, wakeboarding years, had a lot of friends who could ride because... Um, the the two sports cross over a lot. I was based in Central Florida. I mean, you know, just down the road from where Bubba Stewart had his, you know, grounds and still does. And a lot of the riders, um, a lot of the, uh, you know, motocross and supercross riders live around actually the, the same community, like on the same lakes right. and stuff like that. So there was definitely, there was a little crossover. A lot of friends would ride. I used to uh, buzz around on a little one turn and just, you know, just mess around. But um, so no, not not in that sense, but definitely sort of, you know, interest in it and saw it. And, um, and I covered Rebel Straight Rhythm for a few years. Yeah. So that was my first introduction to covering the sport. 
Um, obviously, different setup, but um, you know, all, a lot of the same writers, and, <laughs> right. and that was the first. Yeah, so that was kind of my first introduction to covering it. Um, so it was more for me, really, a switch over from uh, four wheel to two wheel, really, because you know I was within racing, but you know, switching to a different, a different format, a different group of riders, and obviously a different type of racing. Yeah, and how difficult was that then? You know, you first you have to learn who all the riders are. You, you kind of had some idea mm-hmm. who some of them are, but then you got to learn yeah. the terminology. You have to learn the rules. Yeah. You, you have to learn all that stuff. And what, was there somebody there to help you, or were you just kind of thrown to the wolves and had to do some studying yourself? <laughs> I mean, you definitely have to do research. That's uh, that's part of the job, you know. But that that's not like anything new. Every time you you get into it, covering a new sport and the covered some sort of fairly random ones to be honest within my time doing it um you you have to start at that point you know you have to go okay let's find out you know obviously about the riders teams if there's team stuff involved but also um the cultures of the sport jamie you know you can figure out where these riders are from and what their background stories are and and just get a general feel for for what it is, because that's honestly probably the thing that changes most is is understanding that stuff. So, like you said, along with that comes understanding their terminology and <laughs> the way the riders go about things, or the way the athletes go about things. Um, so, it, it it is a lot of research. But I've also been very lucky with who I've gotten to work with. Both broadcast teams for outdoors and indoors are, have just been fantastic and all the guys just very supportive and have let me know right from the beginning if there's anything you need, let us know. Nice. And I, I take full advantage of that. I fire a million questions at them all. And <laughs> yeah, <that's awesome. laughs> to the point whereby they're probably like, okay, enough for it. <laughs> right. Well, trust me, <laughs> um, I do the same thing. You know, I, I We're a small-time podcast, so we don't get to make every round. And every time I, I run into, whether it be Ralph or Weege or, or anybody, I, I've got a million questions because they've built up over the last three or four weeks. So yeah, I wear I wear yeah. those guys out too. And it, well, and they're fantastic, yes. with it, aren't they? They, you know, I never at any point they turn around and be like, oh dear, I haven't got time for this. They love <laughs> to talk about their sport. They, you know, it's their passion, so they yeah. enjoy talking about it. And I love hearing all the stories. You end up with all these wonderful backstories too, of, you know, because they've all just been in it for for so many years that you you hear all these fantastic stories that go way back which i i absolutely love <laughs> that's awesome you know and i'll tell you something that i've seen that you do real well and i've heard other people talk about it is you you don't seem to be afraid to ask questions that aren't just the, the same the cookie cutter questions you'll you'll ask guys stuff um you know you talk about cooper webb or whatever you'll ask questions that aren't the normal questions um that you know that some people might not want to ask and you do it and you do it really well. And I've, re- like I said, I've really enjoyed what you've brought to both, both, uh, you know, motocross and supercross. Um, yeah, you're welcome. Are these, now when you get some of this information, I'm sure a lot of it, you do yourself, you do your own research, but then I'm sure the, the truck maybe, um, feeds you some things you need to ask. Um, is, has, have they ever, you don't have to give me a, an example but have they ever asked wanted you to ask something that you were like ah yeah i don't want to go down that road um i mean across honestly i mean not just in in this series but across all kind of coverage you you definitely get your times when you're like you know i'm not quite comfortable with that because maybe maybe it's something you know an example would be perhaps you've had a chat with the athlete before the interview just like a little chat you know Mm -hmm. asking 
oh, this or that. And so you've picked up a piece of information that maybe changed your mind about something. So you're like, ah, I actually didn't realize that. I thought it was like this or that, you know, happened. So then perhaps if, if you are getting any guidance from the trust and they maybe uh, suggesting we go down this avenue, what you've heard might have actually been like, no, because they haven't heard what you've just heard. Does that make sure. sense? Yes, ma'am. Yes. So, so in a situation like that, you might be like, okay, no, that, that's not the right way. And they're great because they'll trust that you're saying that for a reason. Um, and then they go, okay, right, let's do this instead. But to be honest, I mean, you know, I'm again, very lucky. The production team that I get to work with, um, a lot of the same guys across um, motocross and supercross and so I've you know I've spent a good bit of time with them now and you know they they really are that they're, they're a great crew and so they right. they have this sort of nice um but it's a nice trust I guess I trust that if they're interjecting in something it's for a reason and they trust that if I push back on something it's for a reason too so it's it works yeah well it definitely does it's very professional you guys do a great job um, so something that I did not realize before I sort of got involved with this podcast and started getting to know some of the people is like when you guys are on air, yeah, you know, look, like you talked about Twitter, there's always the, the keyboard warriors, the haters. And, and over the years, people have said things that negative things about Ralph or Jeff or RC or whoever's in the booth. Um, yeah. And, you know, I don't think most people realize how difficult it is with, with, you know, you got Bondo in your ear. Um, and when you're on the podium and you have somebody like Marvin Muscan who gives a very detailed answer usually, and they're trying to, yeah. they're yelling in your ear, Hey, wrap it up, wrap it up. And you're trying to, you know, you're trying to keep a straight face. Like I, there's no way I could do that. I would, I would never make it. I'd be like, shut up, leave me alone. So, you know, I just, I, I wonder how, like, was that something over the years that was difficult to adjust to, or are you able to separate the two voices at the same, you know? Yeah, well, you get used to it. You okay. definitely, I mean, again, it's part of the job. You get used to it. I mean, that's, honestly, that's really nice that you stop and think about that, Jimmy, because a lot of people don't. You know, they'll say, um, you know, oh, you're just asking questions and this and that, and they don't necessarily understand the the cogs that are moving behind that yeah. when it comes to live TV. There's uh, a lot involved. Um, there's a lot of moving parts. We're constantly adjusting, especially when it gets to the end of the show. Um, it, there's times when we've just straight up run out of time, you know, right. and I've got Bondo, like you said, he's a wonderful producer in my ear, just going, and 30 seconds till we're off air, and <laughs> we're still interviewing, and someone's clearly still mid-thought and going, oh, and this, and then, and then they just want to get tucked off the into telling you about the sponsors and stuff, yes. you're like, yep, great, of course, you need to give them, make sure they got their air time, and then... 20 till we're off air and then it keeps yeah. <laughs> so these situations happen they do especially if we've had like I don't know like a red flag or some reason why everything then got delayed um, so it, it gets interesting it does but to yeah. be honest you learn to uh, you learn to yeah literally kind of multitask I guess right. that's the right way of thinking that you, you sort of have this sort of voice you know, in your head that's essentially Bondo in the background there. And then you've got <laughs> what's going on in front of you and you, you're checking back and forth. And <laughs> yeah, that's... It gets busy. It gets busy with your headspace. I would think honest, so. It's kind of part of the fun of it. It really is. Yeah, I find myself now, like, like this weekend, I think it was, I think Austin, it was Austin, if I'm not mistaken, Forkner, that had, mm-hmm. he, he kind of went on for a while. He, he And he's a really good interview. <laughs> he's a really good yeah. interview. But I was thinking to myself, what is she thinking right now? What is what's in her? You know, that's I'm not even listening to him. I'm trying to figure out 
watch your reaction and see like is somebody telling her to wrap it up like i'm i'm totally on a different level now trying to pay attention to what's going on so but honestly it's like i said it's nice that you even think about it because for most people they understand being they're wrapped up in the racing and and that's probably the last thing they're stopping and thinking about but it's uh and for the guys too you know that i want to give them their airtime they, yeah. they've earned it they've up there on the podium and you know it's it's their time so it, it's it's a fine balance yeah, well, it's it's really cool, and I, I like the guys like Austin and Adam C. and Cirillo who give you a little bit more than just the, yeah, everything's mm-hmm. great, here's my sponsors, yeah. and I'm out, so I, I, I like that, yeah. and I like it, you know, Marvin, Mar- Marvin kind of says generally the same stuff, but at least it's, I don't know, I, I, I like I like the guys with a little bit of personality. So, it, well, it's just good to know we're trying to put ourselves in their position the whole time, you know, and, it's right. like, and I mean, very few of us have ever been in their position. So it's uh, the more insight they give like that, the more they, you know, let us get to know them and let the viewer get to know them. Um, that's huge. And I'm always grateful for that when they do it. Definitely. And, I, you know, I was talking to Daniel. Um, we I was going to the press conference with walking to the press conference with him at Arlington. And I kind of asked him, you know, like how things are going this year, what, what he's learning different this year. And he talked about, you guys have a, a coach, basically a, like a, I don't know what yeah. his title would be guy. That's kind of giving you pointers, watching the stuff you do. Um, what, what is something that you've taken away this year that maybe you've learned or either where you've grown from the years past from this uh, coach? Oh, that's interesting. Yeah, because I mean, he's been he's been great actually, and it's the first time I've ever experienced that. It's something that um, Fell did for us because we were putting together a new broadcast team, and they thought it'd be beneficial, which it definitely has been. Um, and he's been absolutely fantastic, and he works with us sort of each individually, and then as a team. And that's honestly at that point is probably I'd say amongst many useful things that he's he's told us is probably one of the biggest benefits is how we're working together as a team. So um you know everybody's got their own thing going on. Obviously they've got their own purpose essentially. But learning all to try and listen to each other and be able to bring a conversation together when someone's up in the booth, someone's down on the track on one side, somebody's on the podium, it it's it's a difficult way to bring everyone together to have a conversation and and he's put a lot of a lot of weight on making sure that we do the best we can at that yeah so it's always a learning curve and i think we're still on a learning curve um but hopefully we're, we're getting there week by week yeah definitely i like i i noticed what you got you and daniel did uh behind the gate this this weekend was you know that was a new angle you two together uh, he talked about it on his podcast, Main Event Moto. Um, I thought that was really cool that you guys are trying to do, you know, different things, different little techniques, whether it be doing one together from a different perspective on the track. I think all that stuff is really cool to help the sport grow and let the fans who don't necessarily get to go to all the races see different sides of it. Yeah, and that's honestly, that is who it's for. That's exactly that. And it is, it, it, it's a bit of a... Um, you know, it's a work in progress, I guess. Sure. You're constantly going, let's try it like this. Uh, maybe that it would be better if we did it like that. Like, you know, just, you got to keep trying stuff. And the more you feel like, okay, we brought the viewer something that maybe we didn't bring them last week. That's our goal. And uh, Daniel and I have been having a lot of fun with that. Cause obviously both down there, um, you know, trackside along with Juliana. And 
So it, it's been kind of fun for us because that's our, we're on a mission to try and do that. We're like, okay, we're on a mission to just constantly try to get something different to, to bring home for everybody. Yeah. And uh, it's been, I'm having, we've been having a lot of fun doing it. Well, and I, and I can see that. You guys seem to get along well and work well, and, and it's definitely a, a well-oiled machine. Um, so tell me a little bit, like your, your background was in wakeboarding. Uh, you said you did mm-hmm. some, you, with the TV broadcasting, you did some uh, rallycross and a lot of other sports. What is something that has surprised you the most with motocross, supercross athletes in general? Was there anything that you were just kind of blew your mind a little bit or you were surprised by? Um, I mean, honestly, I've got to say as athletes, just pure fitness level of most of these guys kind of blew my mind. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was expecting obviously a certain level of it because it's a professional sport and it's clearly demanding. But when I hear the backstories of, the training and the, you know, nutrition and everything, like the the schedule that these guys are going through, that, to be honest, just blew me away. Because, I mean, when we think about, about you know, 17 weekends of racing, that's incredible. And then a, a week off and then, boom, they're straight into another series. Yeah. And then at the end of that, you say, oh, you're going to take some time off now. And it's like, ah, a week maybe two, and then they're testing, then it's this, and then before they know, you know, what's energy cups on them, and, and so their schedule and what they physically, you know, put themselves through to be able to perform and compete at that level is just astonishing. It really is. Yeah, it's funny because I work, I have a regular day job, and some of the guys I work with are like, well, I don't understand, you just ride a motorcycle. The motorcycle does all the work. I'm like, yeah, yeah. You're, you're clueless. <laughs> Not- <laughs> So no, nope, you're. Cl- no. I'm 43 years old, and I raced the vet class, and yeah, it kicks Good my for butt. You. <laughs> so Good for you. You're doing it though. That's oh you're yeah, doing it. And it, it's um, it's with any sport, I think. And I, you know, I don't know if you'd agree with me here. I, I feel privileged that I got to work within a sport that I loved. Uh, you know, that I had a passion for, mm-hmm. and. Even through the tiring days, I'm sure a lot of these guys and yourself, you feel the same. It's uh, You do it for a reason, you do it because you love it. And yes, at the end of the day, it is technically a job. But you, I think anyone who, who gets to do that is, is privileged because not everybody gets to do something that they love. You're right. And I want to ask, you love doing it. It's a, you, it's a good job. It's, it's fun. But are you at a point yet where you, usually the, the travel is the one negative I hear the most about. Are you at a point where that's a negative for you? You're tired of the airports? Um, no, no. I mean, a negative, no, definitely not. I'm, I'm not there. I, I mean, you know, ask me again in 10 years. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um, but for me, honestly, I do love what I do. Much like what I just said, I feel very privileged to get to do it. It's, it's nothing that, um, you know, it, it's nothing that I went, oh, yeah, no, I, I'm going to set my sights on that. And that, that's where I should be in five years because it's a difficult industry and, and I, I feel very lucky to, to be able to do what I do and, and cover these sports that I just absolutely love. I mean, I go, you know, I, I love watching it. I'm not doing it incidentally, you know, just going like, right. oh, sure, this sport we're covering. I, I, I absolutely love it. I mean, when some of the racing goes on and I'm sort of on the podium there, I'm nearly having a cardiac arrest from the <laughs> excitement. That's awesome. <laughs> so I absolutely love it. So I would definitely say no. I, I'm by no means sick of it. The travel is what it is. Yep, I get that side of the journey for sure. And sometimes you're like, yep, the early starts with the airport runs and the travel and yeah. the hotels. It, it is what it is. But then I've also been doing it for a very long time, even before, you know, I got into broadcasting that, you know, 
traveling as a professional athlete. And it, so it, it's definitely You're something, to, it. to be honest, I'm just used to it. And yeah. yet, uh, if, that, if that's the worst thing that, that <laughs> we have to do as part of our job, I think we're doing okay. I would say so, yeah, because like I said, I get, to do, <laughs> I get to do about four or five of these a year. And I'm so excited when I have to wake up at 5 a.m. to catch a flight because I'm like, I get to do this. You know, it's it's I, I just can't imagine being at the point where I'm tired of it. You know, I just I it's such an exciting moment. But then, of course, I have to go to a regular job Monday through Friday. So that's probably the difference. But uh, oh, right. so you don't like the journey home, the flight home. You're not not as into. Right. So. <laughs> I don't know a lot about wakeboarding. Uh, I went back and I was checking out some of your the pictures of you and and like what you guys do is unreal. Like I've water skied, but I've never been able to nice. get up, never been able to get up on a wakeboard. I've tried three or four times, and pretty much it just drags me down like an anchor. Um, I never figured it out, but I'm really jealous. Of you the- would, you could have, you could have figured if you can water ski, you could have got up on a wakeboard. You probably honestly just needed a, someone there just to go. Right, hey, Jamie. Bit of this, bit of that, and you would have been on your way. Well, my biggest thing was always there's other people in the boat waiting to go, and after I failed four or five times, I'm like, just I, I you know, <laughs> it's your turn because I feel bad. So I just always, I, I need to go to one of those wakeboard parks where they have the the lines that that seems like that might be. Their yeah, the cable park. Yeah, they're, they're really. Fun. I mean, it's a completely different start again. But you've got people there who will be able to, you know, talk you through it and, and tell you what to do. But they are. They honestly, they've been great for the sport too because they've just meant that a lot of people have been able to get on the water. If you haven't got a boat or right, yeah. fuel, just alone for running a boat when you're wakeboarding is extremely expensive. So, um, cable parks just allow people to get out in the water. You know, they can get out there for hours on end and, and spend the same they would uh, on a you know kind of gas um well, it's definitely a cool sport it's so i need to try to do that because it's like I said at 43 years old i probably don't have too many years left where my body can handle that so i'm gonna have to check it out one of these days your uh, wake surfing jamie that's what you uh, want to do that my wake surfing. yeah that it looks... doesn't break it doesn't break you like wakeboarding does it's, it's mellow right you don't get hurt it's Right. <laughs> that looks awesome. I've seen a lot of video, you know, and, and I grew up like my dad was in the military. We spent five years in Hawaii, so I, I know how to surf. Or oh, I did. Wow. I did as a kid, anyway. It's been a long time, you would but love I, that. I feel like yeah, I could. Yeah, I feel like I could wake surf, but I, mm-hmm, I, yeah. definitely. Well, I'm gonna try that. But uh, what? Back to you. Yeah. Where I don't want to keep you too much longer, but um, do you have like we kind of touched on it a second ago? But if down the road a year or two from now you know, like a major sport, stick and ball sport came um, looking for you. Uh, is that something that you would take a look at? Would you be interested in, in covering football like Jenny Taft is kind of doing now? Or um, or do you have other goals? Yeah, I mean, honestly, yeah, yes to all of the above. It's, um, you know, what we what we do is you're, you're constantly sort of, you know, evolving. You, you're constantly thinking, okay, where could this go to? Yeah. And what would I like to cover next? And um, so for me, yeah, I mean, it, it would definitely not be like, no, I'm, I'm not touching anything outside <laughs> of, of motorsports because it's sure. not like, you know, I, I didn't come from the avenue anyway. I came sort of, like you said, through sort of action sports. So already I've sort of taken a, an interesting path through to where I am. So I would, I'm always open to that. So I honestly, there's very few sports that I would turn around and say, not interested. Because I just, I've grown up in sports. I, I love them. I obviously sort of, you know, earned my living doing it for a while then. There's uh, there's very little that, that I wouldn't be interested in. I don't know if the uh, American fans would appreciate an English voice on their 
American football. I don't know. Tell oh, me. I, think they, I think they would, you know, and I don't mean this to sound uh, whether we're sexist or not, but when a very attractive woman has an accent like that, it's pretty, it's pretty uh, appealing. So I think you would be, I think you would be accepted just fine. And, oh well, that's nice. <laughs> yeah, and you're you you're clearly good at what you do. So yeah, I with I would hate to lose another talented uh, track reporter from from Supercross, but you know I could see big things like that coming for you. And, and you know, and I, I wish that nothing but the best for Daniel. Also, like I think Daniel would love to cover football. He's a huge football fan. He would be great. He yes. would be. I know. Yeah, I know. He's a, a huge fan. I mean, because his knowledge on on. You know, Supercross Motocross is fantastic. Yes. And he told me, uh, I think a couple of weeks ago, that he said, I know way more about football than I do about dirt bike riding. And I was like, what? Yeah. Because <laughs> he, he knows a lot about Yeah, he's... <laughs> he knows a lot. So I think he would. If he if he, that's the case, oh, my goodness, he would just kill it. He yeah. really would. It would be fantastic. He listens to a lot of NFL podcasts. He's a, Unfortunately, he's a big Cowboy fan, which I cannot really... I can't really accept that. I live in Texas, but I, I'm not. I'm not a fan of the Cowboys. So he and I, we battle over that. But uh, right. yeah, he's very good at everything he does. It kind of makes me sick, actually. Yeah, I know he is. Honestly, I mean, his his insight into stuff being, you know, just been absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Just what he sees on the track. You know, he's constantly looking out for stuff that's just, oh, how's that area developing? Yeah. And, you know, what? And it's it's great because then he he brings that to us, and it, it's a it's a perspective that no one else is going to get to see because you know, Ricky would see that if he was on the ground, but he's up in the booth. He's not down there, so sure. he can't get that close up. And and obviously, from Daniel's kind of you know riding background and his understanding of it, it, it brings a really good perspective to things. It's good to hear. Definitely. Well, thank you so much for taking some time for us tonight. I know you have a busy schedule. Um, it was really great meeting you in Anaheim, and uh, hopefully I'll see you. I'll be at a few other rounds, and maybe I'll get to run great. into you and say hi to you again. Um, yeah, that'd be fantastic. If nothing else, please make fun of Daniel's height, at, at, at least at one point. <laughs> um, you know, ask him I, if, I like it. It doesn't make me feel too short. It's great. <laughs> you need to ask him like on air, hey, do you have your box with you, Daniel? <laughs> carry around an apple box everywhere yeah. yeah but anyway will thank you so much it was fantastic talking to you and you thank have a great you, night Jerry. thank you very much you appreciate it have all a good right. rest of your show all right thank you bye bye all right the lovely will christian she was really rad coming on um good sport really doing a great job uh follow her on instagram also and twitter she's uh she, she does some pretty cool stuff good pictures uh, good follow. So thanks, get, thanks, Will, for coming on, and we will be back with our next guest shortly. This is Alex Martin, and you're listening to the Moto X Pod Show. Since 1998, Fly Racing has been focused on developing the best gear possible. With research and development, they have become a leader in safety and comfort. Fly Racing is worn by many of the top athletes in motocross and supercross, including Weston Pike, Blake Baggett, Zach Osborne, Andrew Short, Damon Bradshaw, and Adam and Tyler Antonap. I wear fly wear fly shoes. 2019 Fly Racing line includes the popular Light Hydrogen, the new Evolution DST line, the all-new Women's Light line, a redesigned F2 helmet, the FR5 boot, and Zone and Zone Pro goggles. Fly Racing also has hard parts for mountain bike products and snow gear. Go to flyracing.com or check out your local dealer for more info. Hey Kylie, does your husband have to deal with leaking shafts? No way, Kathy. He uses shock socks. 
the original and number one 10 second removable fork sill protector. Looks like the best way to keep grit and grime out of your fork seals. So if you don't want the headache and expense of constantly replacing fork seals, get Shock Socks. Go to shocksocks.com and visit them on Facebook to pick your color. And don't forget, they are available for street bikes too. Darkside here. Are you guys in the market for a set of new custom graphics? Are you tired of the same old basic layouts the big box companies offer? Well, if so, then you need to check out MX Girl Designs. From custom graphic kits, stickers, reproductions, and even vintage, MX Girl does it all. Call or text Char at 936-828-1472 or email Char, C-H-A-R, at mxgirl.com, and that's mxgirl, G-U-R-L, and tell her Moto X-Pod sent you. Mad Jack Synthetics is an independent dealer of Amsoil Synthetic Oils. Amsoil has been around for 45 years and was the first company to bring synthetics to the general public in 1972. Since then, Amsoil has led the way in application-specific oils and fluids designed solely for your cars, trucks, motorcycles, boats, and more. We understand what your needs are when it comes to protecting your investments, whether it be your motorcycles or the vehicle you use to transport your motorcycles. Dane Evans and Mad Jack Synthetics is nationwide with customers and warehouses all across the USA and Canada. By joining the Preferred Customer Program, anybody can buy Anzoil products factory direct at wholesale pricing. Want to stock it at your shop or use it on your fleet of vehicles for your business? Would you like to become an Anzoil dealer and have a tax write-off for your trips to the track or trail and start selling Anzoil to your friends and fellow racers? With Amsoil, you get free shipping on orders over $100, even when you are a wholesale customer. Contact Dane Evans to find out how it all works. We at Mad Jack Synthetics are riders and racers just like the guys at the Moto X Pod Show. We know what you need to keep you in the game week in and week out. Amsoil Incorporated is a sponsor of many of your favorite series. Snowcross, ATV MX, Daytona Bike Week, the Sturgis Motorcycle Rally, GNCC, King of the Hammers, Hot August Nights Car Show, and Motorcycle Mechanics Institute. Contact Dane and tell him the Moto X Pod Show sent you. Let him help you save money on your maintenance using Amsoil. Contact Dane at 805-531-9551 or toll free at 855-623-5225 or at madjackdiesel.shopamsoil.com. Like us and contact us on Facebook at Dane Amsoil Guy on Twitter at Dane underscore Evans 393, and on Instagram at Dane underscore Amsoil Guy. What's up, Moto X Pod listeners? This is Darkside, and as motocross racers, one of our top priorities is safety. That's why Allsport Dynamics wrist braces are one of my favorite products. Allsport Dynamics sees themselves as the Picasso of safety braces. Their passion for design and developing beautiful braces never stops. They've had the privilege to work with some of the largest names in the sports industry and have established a reputation for always bringing innovation to the table with every brace. For the pro chasing the championship or the six-year-old whose mom wants to avoid a broken bone, please try Allsport Dynamic Wrist Braces. Go to motocrosswristbrace.com or check out Instagram at wristbraceguy or call 936-569-1003 and ask for Jeff Brewer or Gary White. And keep in mind, these are the wrist braces that Justin Bogle, Joey Savacci, Weston Pike, Adam C. and Cirello, 
Matt Gerke, and Brock Tickleware in their pro careers. Check them out, All Sports Dynamic Braces. On the line with us is our next guest of the night. He is brought to you by Extreme Colors Painting. Kirk Hunter, since 1988, has been painting custom painted helmets for $295. Cannot be beat. Check them out on Instagram or hit them up at xkhelmetpainting at gmail.com. Like I said, on the line with us is JGR Suzuki's Kyle Peters. What's up, man? Hey, man. How's it going? Doing good. Doing good. Um, so just fresh off a triple crown. How are you feeling? Uh, yeah, I feel good. Um, you know, uh, the triple crown went, uh, it went okay. Uh, I didn't have the greatest day. Just wasn't, wasn't quite feeling it all day, but uh, came away with an eight. Um, which that's obviously not where I want to be or where I should be, but, um, we're, we're building, getting back into racing. It's, uh, it's been a little while. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it's, you know, it's not easy. I'm sure you, you wait half the season watching the West coast guys race and you're fired up and then it, then it comes and, you know, you start off at minus what, 17 degrees temperature outside or something. And, Man, you know, and you go inside where you're you're battling for your life, uh, man. What a just what a crazy job you have, right? I mean, yeah, it's it's wild. Uh, having to wait for the the West Coast to kind of finish up with their stuff, it's ah, uh, it, it, you get so excited and you get so amped, and then the first race comes along, and there's and yeah, there's just so much jitters and, right. and, and everything. It's it's pretty wild, but uh, yeah, it's this year's gone uh, pretty well so far for me. Um, it, it, with my knee injury that I had last year, um, I had a lot of time off the bike, and then uh, so kind of getting back to racing is is uh, it's been a, a little bit of a struggle for me um, doing comfortable at the races again. So, um, but yeah, you know, it's it's starting off okay. We're we're looking to really improve and and bring the speed that I have at the practice track to the race. So uh, that's the goal. Yeah. So, you know, you talk about coming off an injury. Um, w- did you have goals set for, say, round one and where you wanted to build to? Um, or did you try not to set goals for yourselves? Just go and see what happens. Uh, yeah, you know, definitely set goals at the beginning of the year um, to try to try to go out and, and do the best that we can do. Uh, my goal was, was top five coming into the first round, okay. um, which uh, hasn't quite played out that way. Um, I think it's just not quite being comfortable when I'm back at the races yet. Um, I have a lot more in me, a lot more potential um, coming into races. That's kind of a little bit more comfortable. And uh, I think that's just going to happen with, with the more races I do. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it, the goal is to go out and win, obviously, but, uh, uh, being realistic, um, top five, uh, looking to get on the podium again by the end of the year and, uh, searching for that first win. But, uh, but yeah, the, uh, the bike and the team is amazing and they've been helping me so much and, uh, we're, we're, we're making our way. Yeah. You talked about the team, JGR, you've got uh buddy Antonez, you know, it's kind of the, a uh, co-team manager. He really looks over the 250 teams. Got a lot of experience. Um, you know, your your home hometown is Greenboro, Greensboro, North Carolina. So you're you're you know in the area of the country where you want to be. That stuff has to help out. Yeah, it definitely does. Uh, being close to home is it, a huge thing for me, especially um, 
families, everything. And uh, yeah, along with with Buddy Antonez, it's it's really been a big help for me the past two years having him on board. Uh, we're just knowing what to do, and he can see things that a lot of other people can't see mm-hmm. um, and tell you what you're doing wrong and whatnot. And a lot of his techniques and, and strategies work really well for me as well with being a shorter guy like right. himself. So right. it's uh, it's been a huge help having him on board. Yeah, he's a great dude, full of knowledge. You know, and like I said, JGR is a great team. I mean, look, over the years, they haven't had all the results they want. Um, but I feel like the 250 team is very solid with, you know, you got Dakotas and Enzo and, of course, Amart coming over. A uh, very solid team. Uh, you talked about kind of having fifth place as a goal, but being uncomfortable. Um, at Minneapolis, which was the first round back, you had an eighth. If you were somewhat uncomfortable and got an eighth, I feel like that that has to be a positive that you can take away. Like, like I wasn't where I wanted to be physically or mentally, but I still got a top ten. Yeah, for sure. I um, I, I just the main thing for me is uh, I, like I've I've been great in practice all off season. Once I started back riding, obviously, uh, everything just started kind of clicking, and and I was kind of where I wanted to be with uh, my time with with Dakotas and Amart and mm-hmm. and kind of coming into the season, and then I guess just from not being on the gate for so long and being hurt for so long, it was kind of like, oh, it kind of startled me a little bit. And uh, even even this weekend, uh, I struggled in practice. And, and uh, just not quite where I want to be, uh, where I know I can be. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that, that's the main thing, is just getting a little bit more comfortable at the races, bringing that speed and that intensity and everything that I have in practice over to the races. Um, that That's the main thing for me, and I know I, know I can be able to start contending for podiums and, and uh, with a good start, you never know, uh, going for the win. But, um, but yeah, just just been working on things, slowly but surely, uh, getting the knee better and, right. and picking up speed. So we're, uh, we're getting there for sure, though. Yeah, definitely. I mean, I see improvement. Um, you know, with the uncomfort- uncomfortability, uh, is that a little bit, is it mental? Is it somewhat, somewhat physical with the knee, still having some lingering things with the knee? Or, uh, you know, are there bike set up things that you're still just trying to sort out? Or is it a collection of all of the above? Uh, I think it's more mental than anything. Okay. Um, just from not being on the gate for so long. Yeah. And then coming in, and it, it, it gets a little hectic on race day anyways, <laughs> uh, all the time. But... But yeah, it's just more mental for me. Once I figure that out, it'll be it'll be a whole different ball game. Um, and you know, I've I've been having working with Buddy and working with uh, J Bone and everybody, and and uh, they they see what what I ride like in practice, and they're like, "Come on!" Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it, it's a little bit frustrating, but uh, I think I just had a really good day riding today. So good. Uh, really looking forward to this weekend and uh, bringing all of that to the race. <laughs> yeah. And this is a big one, man. This is a showdown. Um, so you got all that, the West coast guys who have been on a little break. Um, you know, I, I, for, as a fan, and I, I've said this throughout a, a couple of the interviews I've done over the last couple of days, like I love the triple crown. I love the showdowns cause it's exciting. But for you guys, that's like an added, you know, uh, added stress probably an added little, uh, bump in the road, having these changes, um, do you go about going into this showdown any different than you would any other race, or do you just treat it like it's doesn't matter? It's a race. 
Uh, yeah, just treat it like a like a normal race. I'm I'm going in with the same goal, um, top five, and and obviously there's uh, there's more of my teammates and there's yep. more um, more people in general. But uh, yeah, you go into it still ready to ready to fight and and make it happen. Um, I I want to put it to the West guys and <laughs> and and show them the East Coast is better. <laughs> yeah, I like that because you know honestly like. You listen to some of the other shows and you know, like a lot of people feel like the West has a, is a more stacked coast. And I don't know that I agree with that. Um, yeah, I, th- I think there's probably five or six guys on each coast that are very, very equal, all capable of winning. Um, and, you know, I, I think some guys like yourself and, you know, um, Dylan Ferrandis who maybe had some, didn't have the results he wanted on the West are guys that you know, easily could take, a win and, you know, even get a two or three second gap. And it's just in that class, there's so many fast guys. It's all about the start. So many things have to be perfect. Yeah. It's, uh, it's crazy how, how many fast guys <laughs> there are and how many good guys there are. Uh, the depth of both West and, and East coast is pretty, pretty insane. Really. It is. Um, you know, it's, it's all about the start and who can get up front and, uh, you know, try, uh, try to go up there and, and make it happen. But, Absolutely. Uh, but yeah, it, it is wild how, how many good guys there are. And even the 450 class, it's, it, it, there'll be 14 guys within a second and yep. time qualifying. And it's just like, what? <laughs> I know. <laughs> That's insane. I really feel like this may be the best year of supercross competition that I can, certainly the best year I can remember, you know, as far as consistently every week, it's amazing. Yeah. There has not you, been a boring race it. yet. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's hard to it's hard to pick the top three. Yeah, for sure. This Jeff, year. <laughs> hey, you mentioned a minute ago, like the just the busyness, the hectic, being hectic on a race day. Um, something I like to ask a lot. Look, you're you're pulled in a lot of different directions on race day. You have um, you probably you have sponsor responsibilities. You know, you have signings. Um, watching tape, all these different things. Um, is there anything on race day that kind of like you wish you could do without, like I always ask, do you, do you like signing autographs? Do you like meeting all the fans, uh, the media coming in and trying to talk to you, but is there anything that, man, you kind of wish you could do without? Uh, no, not really. I, I like actually doing the signings at the race, meeting all the fans. It kind of breaks, breaks up, uh, the riding and being so serious, kind of get away from it for a minute, yeah. smile and jump down, have a little fun. Um, so I, I really like that part of it. Um, but yeah, not not really anything I would really change. Um, it's just working in a routine of of what we do on race day and what to eat and yeah. and when to eat it and and everything. That that's kind of the hard part for me. Um, Finding but, the time. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, making sure everything's set ready to go and and uh when you need it but uh but yeah no it's nothing i would really change our race day i love i love the races i love going i wish our season was longer um, <laughs> nice that's unusual <laughs> yeah that's unusual so like i said we just came off this triple crown how about that format in particular um for the most part the riders don't like it as much as the the traditional format um it Again, you're you're racing a lot more with the top level guys. That's three made you know big starts. Um, basically, three main events is what you're running. 
Um, as a fan, it's awesome. As a writer, what do you think? Um, it, you know, it's, it's definitely different. Yeah. Um, it's like you said, it's, you have to be perfect on, on three different starts, uh, not just one. So it can change some, some stuff up and it's short enough to where people, people can kind of hang it out for one or two round, one or two mains. And, um, you definitely see who's, who's fit, I guess. Yeah. Um, when it comes to the last main, cause it is, it is a lot of riding. I think our main last weekend was 14 laps each or something. Right. Um, so it, it's definitely a good bit of riding. Um, it's just different, you know. Um, I'm not going to say I don't like it um, because there's good things about it. Um, but it's it's definitely tough. It makes it for a long day. <laughs> right. It could use some tweaking probably. I know your teammate, Chad Reed, he's not a big fan of it. Uh, he's mentioned that he, he thinks it should be basically scored points-wise as three main events. Um, you pro- I, I feel like you guys should probably get paid that way. But I don't know about the point system because, you know, like at the first one, he missed the second main event because of a mechanical issue and he'd be down, yeah. you know, he'd be down basically he got zero points. I think that's, I don't know if I'd agree with giving full points for all three, but they, they probably should tweak it a little bit. And I think they will. Yeah, I think eventually they will. They'll, they'll figure something out to where um, it's good for the fans and, right. and for the riders and everything. Yeah. Um, yeah. What's it been like having Chad on your team? Um, I, I would imagine the the autograph line has a few extra people in it. Um, <laughs> he's got his VIP guys there with Dan Truman, um, but it brings a lot of a, a lot more eyes on that team. You know, not that there weren't already, but Chad's just kind of a he's he's one of the idols. Yeah, definitely. He's he's a legend in the sport. Um, there's not much else you can say, really say right. about him. Uh, it's been awesome, awesome having him on the team. Though. He's uh, he's actually been a lot of help. He comes to the morning well, workout here, and then comes to the test track every day, rides with us. Uh, so it's good to just be able to watch him and certain things that he does, and and he'll even watch us and be like, "Oh, why are you doing it like that?" Like, and and it's cool to to interact with him, and then also. Uh, like be close to him yeah. to where you can, you can talk to him like, like he's one of your buddies and, and you, it kind of takes you back and you're like, well, like I'm actually, at, I'm actually riding with Chattery. <laughs> like, <laughs> I can see that. Uh, yeah. yeah. It's pretty wild, especially growing up, looking up to him and, and uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy that he's done what he's done and he's still this good. He's been this good for so, so long. Um, yeah. That's, yeah. Yeah, to get a podium, I like. I'll be honest. I didn't really think he'd get a podium this year. So, as usual, he surprised a lot of people. You can never count him <laughs> yeah, out. Yeah, no, never. Um, when it's when it's his day, he's pretty close. I, I bet he could still win. Oh yeah, yeah. Honestly, he's 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 that good and that technical and can can push it when he needs to and and make things happen. He's he's a bad dude for sure. Um, so you, you mentioned him, you know, as somebody you watched or whatever. So who were your idols growing up? Were there guys that you were like, Hey, I like his technique. I want to, I want to ride like that. Or just guys you were a super fan of as a, as a kid. Yeah, for sure. Um, Reed being one of those guys, um, I was a big fan of Wyndham and then of course, uh, Carmichael. Yeah. Um, Emig was a little bit before my time. Um, as, as I got into the sport, I got in a little late. I started riding when I was about eight years old. Okay. Um, about 
2000. So, um, God, you're making me feel yeah, so you know, old. <laughs> you know, all, all those guys were uh, were a big part uh, of just watching them and and oohs and ahs and yeah. oh, I want to ride like that or uh, I still can't do a knack knack and that's one of my <laughs> that's one of my goals before I quit racing is being able, being able to do a, a sick knack knack. There you go. <laughs> I like it. But yeah, you know, it's it's uh, it's cool having them around. It's been awesome. Yeah. Um, so you're a little bit young to remember the, the total two stroke days, I guess. Um, but the racing has changed a lot over the years. I mean, and now there's so much technology involved with the ECUs and mapping and all the different, you know, traction control, the starting grates. Um, do you feel like any of that technology or advancements has taken away from actual rider ability? Um, no, I I don't think so. Um, I think it. The, there's so many good guys, and they like all the equipment has gotten pretty close. Yeah, like there's obviously still the factory bikes that are just amazing, and uh, and our bikes are, are are really close to that. And um, but even the production bikes are are still good nowadays. Like it's it, it's pretty crazy to think. But yeah, the what they can do with the ECU and launch control and traction control and and the mapping is is pretty amazing how they can fine tune it and set it to exactly your personal preference right. and and what you need. Um, but no, I don't I don't think it really takes away from riding rider ability. You know, the the best rider is gonna uh, whoever has the best reaction and the best um, technique over the start and making sure you get traction to the ground is is gonna get the is going to get the whole shot anyways. Right. It's a good answer, man. I, I, I don't disagree with you. Um, so before I let you go, last question, just when you, you step away from racing for, uh, you know, whether you have a week or two off somewhere in between seasons, um, what is something that you enjoy to do other, outside of moto just to get away from it and, you know, be Kyle Peters for another a day? Oh man, that's a tough one. Uh, everything kind of is, evolves around training right and uh and photo anyways uh but yeah just just hang out really uh, okay. i love to go mountain biking surfing um any, anything really like that just kind of be outside um yeah yeah i mean i i'm a big uh like sports person so okay anything with sports um extreme sports whatever uh as long as as long as i'm moving i'm pretty good <laughs> Right on. Well, Kyle, man, I appreciate you uh, coming on. Um, I know you guys, the weeks are very busy for you. It's hard to find time. And uh, thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time and look forward to seeing how everything goes at the showdown this weekend. Oh, no worries. Thanks for having me on. And uh, yeah, I look forward to putting on the show this weekend. Absolutely. And I think the next round that I'll be at will probably be Houston. So I'll definitely come. Uh, you won't be at Houston. So um, nah. the next East Coast round that I make, I'll come find you, man. Maybe we can do an interview at the track. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'd, uh, I'd love to. All right, Kyle. Take care, buddy. Thank you. All right. Thank you. All right, man. Kyle Peters, JGR. Uh, yeah, I think he's good. we're going to see improvements out of him. Um, his his results that I, I have wrote down here were eighth at Minneapolis, seventh at Dallas, and I have him at tenth in Detroit. He's seventh overall. Um, you know, probably a little under the radar, not getting the TV time he maybe deserves, but I bet that's coming. So yeah, let's keep pulling for him and see how that goes. And hopefully, the showdown that we're that's coming up is going to be amazing. 
Um, real quick, let's, I have a minute. So let's get into this Amsoil thing that with Dane Evans. Um, so, you know, we at the Moto X-Pod show, we know how much it costs to go racing. Uh, it's very expensive as, as just vets and amateurs with family. So whether you race at the amateur level or professional level, we want to try to help you out as much as we can. All our loyal listeners, uh, we want to help you guys save some money with our, with our great sponsors. So, uh, and I feel like we have the great, some of the best sponsors in the world that help this show out. Uh, I know some of you, you know, frequent some of our sponsors and X girl designs, uh, power band fly racing, of course. But anyway, Dane Evans with mad Jack synthetics with synthetics. Um, he wants to give you give out a one year Mad Jack Synthetics Amsoil sponsorship. It, what this include, includes is oil for your bikes, trucks, and any of your vehicles or toys that you use on the weekends uh, for getting to work day to day. Basically, any of your oil needs. Amsoil's top quality products and warranty are inc- included. This will save you money because you can double the oil change interval between your in, with your bikes, cars, trucks. Uh, Amsoil synthetic oils, like you know, I, my. My the oil in my van, Jesus, I don't drive it that much. It's been in there for like nine months. It's great. Amazon is the best oil on the planet. So and, and all the guys, myself, TJ, uh, we use Amazon products in our bikes. Anyway, I'm I'm flubbing this really, man. I'm trying to word it all together the way I want. But anyway, here's how it works. You will pay if you win this contest. You will pay the wholesale price, which is a major discount for all the oils and filters you need with free shipping on orders of over $100 or more for one year. Uh, the winner will be contacted by Dane Evans to get, and get, he'll get all your information, give you the details about the program, and he'll always be at your service. If you need him, you just give him a call, hit him up. Uh, he'll help you decide the proper products to use in every application you have, whether it be, like I said, motorcycles, quads, dune buggies, trucks, cars, uh, you know, whatever you need, lawnmowers, whatever, man. He'll, he'll help you out with that. So you can save money on your motorcycle racing habit. All you got to do is enter a giveaway. Um, I'm going to give you those details here in a little bit, how I want to do this. But that's the basis. It's going to save you a ton of money. Um, it's, it's a really good deal. I'll give you some more details here shortly. Just continue to listen. We've got a couple more guests coming up, and I'll, I'll give you some more, uh, like I said, the details on how we want to do this. All right, be back. On the line with me right now is a legend of our sport. Uh, right now, he is rider coach to Marvin Muscan and Dylan Ferrandis, the one and only, the Cobra, David Villeman. What's up, David? Hey, how are you guys doing? Doing great, man. Um, so, first of all, very excited to have you on. A uh, little bit nervous. You're 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 a legend, man. Uh, not really. I never won anything, so. <laughs> it, it doesn't matter, man. Your talent, your personality, you're a big part of our sport, Um so yeah, you got to give yourself that credit, man. You're one of the best that ever, there ever was. Yeah, I was. Um, I was good in my time uh, <laughs> for for a few years. Yes. Yeah, you you have a very high expectation, um, and, and I like that. I think your personality strives for greatness, um, and you expect that out of the guys you're helping out. Uh, you know, whether it had been um, Chris. Go ahead. Yeah, you know, it's it's what I, I say to my kids all the time. It's like. If we can't win and we don't play, which, uh, you know, it's kind of like my motto, really. Yeah. Um, so when we do something, we try to do as, as hard as we can and as, as, you know, serious as we can. And um, so, yeah, when I, you know, work with guys, that's why sometimes it doesn't work with the, 
the writers I'm working with because we don't have the same personality. And I'm not here to push them to, to you know, they need to be pushing the same way I am. You know, they need to do the same thing. So sometimes it doesn't work because personalities uh, don't really match. Sure. But, um, and I'm not the dad, so I don't <laughs> want, you know, my job is the same, is a win or don't win. Right. So if you don't really want to win, if you only say you want to win and you don't actually do the work to win, then I can't really, I'm not going to, you know, slap you around to go ride or train or something. So, yeah, um, you know, that's why I kind of want to, uh, you know, if I do this job or if I help riders, I don't really have to work. So I, I don't want it to be like a, a show for me. I want it to be something fun and exciting. So if I have to push someone and, you know, to uh just to make them realize they have to work harder to to win i'm like guys you know it's not worth it yeah it's not it's not yeah i'm I'm a coach i'm not a dad right yeah you're you definitely seem to be in it for the right reason because like you said you don't have to do it uh you want to help these guys get better but yeah if they don't want to do the work then you don't need to be there i think you're not a man friend um i think that's that's really exceptional and and uh, we've seen big improvements in my opinion out of Marvin and the whoops this year. Um, I feel like that's a lot of your influence. Has that been one of the high, the main focus points with Marvin? Um, yes. Uh, obviously everybody talked about this. Um, I think that bothers him too. That he's, he's not quite where he wants to be in the whoops. Um, so obviously I'm here just to help him with that, but there's, you know, helping with everything else on the track, the whoops, um it's something uh very specific that yeah. we can uh, work on and then on on technique bike setup and then uh, uh so yeah that's mainly why i'm here and um you know that's kind of like uh it's kind of weird because a guy like so much experience you know world champion and he won a six championship in 250s and and um, it's weird because he almost it it's almost like he never learned how to go through the whoops, you know. What I mean, <laughs> like it's kind of like uh, he missed that lesson somewhere, right? And I'm kind of like I'm getting here, like after he's I think he's gonna be 30 this year at the end of the year, so I'm getting here when um, you know the kid. I call him a kid because I've known him for like 20 or 19 years. So for right. me, Marvin would always be a kid. But uh, the kid is um, uh, being obviously struggling with it. And then, but I get here when he's 30, where you know there's a lot of thing happen um, until now. So it's kind of uh, it could be a challenge. But uh, Marvin is really uh, receptive. And uh, he wants to learn, and he listens really well. And as well as um, Dylan, they they, they have a, a very close uh, personality, actually. Uh, those two guys. Yeah, I could see that from the very little that I've talked to them. They they seem to they get along real well, and of course, both being French, that they they have that bond also. But I could see their personalities being that way. That they're a little bit quiet, um, you know. They're but but very friendly at the same time. Um, they, they just seem like really great guys, but they want, they will listen and learn. I, I could, I pick up on that from what I've talked, talked to them about. So they must be good, uh, students. 
Yeah, they're good. They 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 listen. They try. Uh, you know, I'm not saying like every, everything I say is is right. Right. But you know, I'm here to give like options and then uh, give them advice. Um, sometimes it works. Sometimes it doesn't. Um, thankfully, like uh, it works more than it doesn't. You know, but uh, um, but yeah, they. I think they're motivated and they always. Uh, um, they want to. Um, they're perfectionist. Right. Um, Good. And uh, in interview, sometimes this year is a little different with uh, with uh, Marvin. I don't know if I have something to do with it, but uh, it seems like Marvin was always kind of like satisfied and happy whatever he did. And this year, I see him more like more frustrated and not really happy about the way uh, he rode, even when he podium and got second a few times in a row. And I I really like that, you know uh, this. Um, um, the way he answers his question mm-hmm. in his interviews now, even when he, you know, when he gets second, second is a great result. Uh, but if he doesn't ride um, as well as his, uh, he wanted to, I think it's important for guys to uh, never be really happy, so you can go back to work and then uh, focus on your on your uh, technique, on your work. And uh, so the previous years, I was kind of like uh, sometimes annoyed. That <laughs> right. he was always kind of like happy about you know stuff like that, and then this year is, is trying to change, and he really wants to do uh, you know he really wants to do good, and then he's frustrated and he's not really happy when he doesn't ride that good, and I like this about about and those two are the same, so I kind of like that. Yeah, you saying that I hadn't really thought about it until you said it, but yeah, I, I do remember him a lot being content with second or third and being a little more aggressive with it this year, um, and. And Dylan, the same thing. I've heard Daniel Blair say numerous times, you know, that at the, at the West Coast Rounds, he usually interviews Dylan because he interviews the second place guy. And he's like, Dylan has just been so frustrated. You know, we know he wants more. Um, and that's good. They, they need to, the, the, you got to be at a pro athlete, you have to always want more. Even when you're winning, you want to win by more. Yeah, I think that's important to have this uh, philosophy. Uh, um, you know, on day, on, Days of social media. Right now, we see everybody's, uh, you know, uh, debrief after like uh, debriefing after the the race on Instagram or Facebook. And then when I see the guy says, "Oh, it's okay," on to next week after a bad result, I'm like, dude, I, I hate that. Right. You know, like, I hate being people say, "Oh, it's no big deal." You know, we got eight this weekend. You know. We made improvement on to next week. No, you suck. You know, <laughs> just you know, say it. Say you roll like shit. Yeah. And, and uh, I need to go uh, bust my ass this week because that's you know it shouldn't uh, happen again. You know that's not like. And then I think Marvin and and Dylan has this philosophy which I like. You know, like and you and I go like if you don't change, you you will not improve. So that's why it's it's. You always have to keep the ball rolling, always improving. Even if you win every week, you know, and then, uh, for example, whatever McGrath did uh, in, in 1996 when he won uh, 15 or 14 Supercrosses in one year, mm-hmm. will, will not work this, uh, now. You know, like you need to, you would have had to change and improve to, to actually make his program better in 2019. So it's why... It's it's not a good way to be content, even if you win a good result. And then that's what I like about those two. 
those yeah. two guys. I don't have to push him to be that way. Yeah, that's good. Yeah, I love that you're so blunt. Like you sit there, you will say, "No, this sucks. You sucked." Do the writers, the, the Dylan and Marvin specifically, do they um, react pretty positively to that? Because uh, a lot of these guys would be prima donnas, probably. I would think and be like, "Yeah, I'm not gonna listen to you talk to me that way." Yeah, but I'm not. Like I said, I'm, I I don't have to be here. Yeah, you know, like I never called anyone to get a job. Right. You know. Uh, Dylan, he was struggling a couple of years ago in Nationals. He picked up his phone. He got my phone from some, my phone number from someone. He called me, say, "Hey, uh, you know, I'm in a bad spot. I don't know what to do. Can you, you know, you know, give me a few pointers? Can we see each other? Can you come see me at the track? Whatever." Uh, Marvin, same thing. I've known Marvin since uh, the end of 2000, so almost like uh, he was a fan. I gave him my jersey at Brusky yeah. Supercross 2000. Right. And uh, that's the day I met him, uh, 19 years ago. Um, so he was a fan of uh, of me, like uh, when he was growing up, when he was like a, a pre teenager. Um, but when he moved here, he had his own program, he did his own thing, and then he had a French coach, and then he went to Aldon and this and that. And he called me like uh, last uh, last summer to see if we could do something. You know, he. His first season in the U.S. was 2011, so that was like you know seven, eight years ago. Right. But I did not call him the, when he landed here. Say, hey, I can help you. Let's do this. You know, you know. I I never, never. All my jobs, like after my uh, career, um, after I retire, I never picked up my phone. If they want help, they can find my number, and then <laughs> you know. So that's why, like, if. Yeah. Um, I have to be tell them the truth. I'm not. I'm not a man friend. I don't need their money to live. I don't need to save my job. I don't need to make them happy. Uh, if I'm here, is to tell them the truth. You know, uh, I'm not the go-go guy. I'm not the the boot guy. I'm not the the man friend. Or right. Practice by mechanic. It's. I'm like. I have a different approach. You know. So yeah, they they fine. Sometimes I talk to them like. Uh, very bluntly, like uh, tell them like they suck. They like they write like grandpas and stuff. <laughs> but but they know they know if I say that yeah. it's the case. Yeah, you know that they respect and, that. But, but in another way, when I tell them, oh yeah, that was great. That was good. That lap was good. This was great. They know it is because from other people in the industry, they uh, they get that every day. Sure, every day from multiple uh, people. They're all good. They're great. They look good. They're so fast. They're sick. They this and that. You know what I mean? Yeah. So they need somebody that kind of like really tell them the truth. When when they're doing good, you gotta tell them they're doing good. But when they sucked, you know, you have to tell them too. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's the professional. I mean, that's <laughs> that's the best attitude you can have for that the position that you're filling. And yeah, that's you're <laughs> you're just a badass dude. I love your personality. It's so awesome. Um. I want to ask you a little bit about the the history with the French riders coming over. Um, so I'm 43 years old. I remember JMB being over here. Um, I remember the crowd booing him um, for no other reason than he was French, probably. Um, and then you came over. Did you have any experiences like that? What was it like coming to the U.S. for you? Um, yeah, it was tough because the first two guys that came, like uh... – a bunch of guys came, but sure. the, 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 there's a couple guys that came before me. They were like big names, were like uh, 
JMB and uh, Pichon. That was like the two. And I don't think they were very much liked in the industry and then by the fans. Um, so it was a little tough. The, the path was uh, a little shaky for us mm-hmm. uh, coming after. But I think my generation, which was um, uh, Tortelli, Roncada, and myself, uh, we came like uh, around the... Um, 1999, 2000. Uh, so Roncada came in 97, a little earlier. But um, I think it was a little better. We we kind of try a little harder to be nice because we saw like all how JMB and uh, Bichon were treated, but they they did not really do much to to be liked. You know, they were kind of like doing the French way. Yeah. But um, it's a different culture and. Uh, a lot of stuff is different when you come from another country and you come to the U.S. Everything is different, and we, you know, we grew up in France, so we we like to kind of keep some stuff like the French way, uh, so we don't really change drastically. Um, but overall, there's always it was good, and then I always uh, try to you know do the extra to you know to. Um, let the fan know that I was having fun or, you know, I was, I was here to, you know, sometimes like a little portion of, uh, me was to entertain a little bit. Right. So it's kind of like being a clown sometimes, you know, <laughs> just to, to have fun. Um, and I think that helped, but there's always a minority that's going to tell you, Hey, go back to France. You, you suck, uh, Frenchie or whatever they call, me. you know, we heard that. Uh, many many times you know like uh, in Supercross in a tunnel from a, a stupid drunk guy that's in the stands right here and then tell me a Frenchie go back to France we heard it but it's not a big deal it's, it was like a, a, a small minority yeah it, it, it saddens me though I, I talked to Dylan and uh, Marvin last year I think it was at Millville but I was I was just talking to him in the press conference about you know it was it wasn't long after the the run in that Marvin had with Eli and he started at the time I felt like fans really you know were behind Marvin to a large degree more than a lot of other French riders anyway and then he I saw that turn when he ran into Eli and like I was talking to him about it and he didn't really realize that JMB had been booed so much and Pichon and I said man you know if the roles had been reversed, if Eli had hit you in the exact same way, the crowd would have erupted with applause. It's it's yeah, ridiculous. Exactly. Yeah, that's exactly. If 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 the roles were reversed, I think uh, Eli would have been a hero. Yeah. But you know that's kind of like uh, um, I want to say it's kind of like a quote old style environment for like. Uh, foreigners a little bit you know yeah. i think uh and i like the way americans are because uh um i i know this this world is kind of bad lately with the, what's going on but more like nationalist mm-hmm. uh, like like loving the uh the the flag and uh, being very proud to be american um as french people we don't really want that because we always think like uh the grass is greener everywhere else, you know, like, um, so we, we, we're not really like this, you know, we don't have the same, uh, philosophy in that department. Right. So I really like that about Americans. You know, I like there's no noise for national anthem. I like it's a, it's, it's kind of, it's a respectful country. Like in France, we, it's a little more like, uh, 
people don't really do that. Right. So there's a spot that, that I love about um, um, the U.S. And and actually, it's okay if Marvin get booed. You know, it's it's okay. I don't mind it because I've been there and uh, and I've seen, you know, Ricky Carmichael get booed at uh, the whole main event in True. Indianapolis 2002. So they don't only boo uh, foreigners. <laughs> but, but I like where, you know, like you, you're rooting for your guy. You're rooting for your team. In France, like... Uh, you know, I don't think you, you get the same thing. They, when Americans come to Paris, they like uh, stars, legends. You know, like everybody cheer for them. You know, like uh, uh, we uh, we accept them, and then we don't really root for our guy. Um, so, yeah, I don't I don't really mind about uh, yeah. what happened to uh, the booing and the mobbing. I think if you you know if you do this, you gotta be uh, okay to to accept the consequences and with the fans and everything. And people's going to talk about this, this past for a lot of years to come. It's not a big deal though. Right. Yeah. I agree with you. I, I don't, I mean, I personally, I don't like the booing. I, I don't mind booing somebody if they do something really bad, but I don't know. I like Marvin so much. And I like Dylan that I just, I don't, I felt like it was undeserved, but you know, I mean, like you say, it's just I part of if it. You, if you like, um, if you like a, a, an insider, uh, and you know the sport, and then you, you've been following for a long time, I think you understand that's not a big deal. Right. You know, the past, we've seen that past, like, for, you know, uh, decades, uh, and even worse, where it did not make that much noise. Yeah, well, uh, just a But few... for, the, like, the newer fans, uh, the more, like, uh, the groupies, and, and uh, <laughs> all those people, like, they, they don't really know any better. You right. know, they kind of boo because, you know, they... The 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 favorite the fan favorite uh, just got knocked down, you know. Exactly. So, but I think as all the industry people, like uh, I would I would think and I would hope uh, most of most of them would say, oh, the past the Marvin did in uh, in whatever it was New York, whatever it was fine, you know. Like there's no no big deal. We've seen, but you know. Bradshaw, Machesevich, <laughs> yeah. Ryan Hughes, Mike Rocco, you know, you can, you know, there's a ton of them. Absolutely. You know, Rick, Ricky Carmichael, Chad Reed, uh, James Stewart, like, the, they've done, they've all done it. Yep. You know, so, it's it's okay. Well, let me ask you a little, this. Um, over the last number of years, the technology of the, of the bikes and the sport has just grown drastically, whether you take the ECUs, um, lit pro whole shot devices, mapping all these things. Do you feel like any of that's taken away from the actual racing, the, the, the rider's ability? I feel like it's definitely evened it out a little bit. I think the, the, the biggest uh, thing was four stroke. I think, uh, that changed the most. Yeah. After all the other stuff, the lit pro and all the, the accessories that's right now, I don't think that helps a lot. I think it's more like, uh, uh, I don't know, maybe comfort, or I don't think people use it the, the right way anyway. Um, as far as EFI is concerned and uh, ECUs and all that, um, uh, it's okay if you have somebody that knows what he's doing. Mm -hmm. you know? So sometimes, uh, and you know, some sometimes uh, people just touch it, touch it, and they don't really know what they're doing. So that that could be bad. Um, but I think no. The what what changed the most? I think it's uh, uh, 
bikes became more, um, I think, more generic now. I think uh, the four-stroke uh, leveled the field um, a lot. Yeah. Uh, four-stroke made uh, better riders, and then they changed the track as, you know, more generic too. Drum transition, flatter, nicer. Um, they redo the track after practice, like for the night program, is brand new. Right. Uh, um, back in our days, they would, you know, touch up maybe the face of the triple and then the finish line, and that, <laughs> that was it. They would leave the ruts and the whoops the way it was in practice. Um, so I think um, uh, the track being groomed and the transition being uh, uh, flatter and then the, the, the landing uh, of um, the rhythm section, uh, it's, it's rounder too. Uh, it's it's uh, more forgiven uh, compared to like 20 years ago. Um, that's why we have fast lap times. That's why we have uh, guys that are really close together. That is, it's one a little bit because uh, the first stroke leveled the field, so the guys, uh, uh, the riders is not as good. Um, gets better right away with the first stroke because the power of the torque, like it's it's easier to ride on a two stroke for hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. Especially in, Especially in Supercross, you don't have to have corner speed because you have so much torque and power that, you know, you can still do obstacles without being a great corner guy. Um, and I think uh, the, the biggest thing is the, I don't think the tracks are very selective. So even the, the, the top guys have tough time to, to, make, the, to, to make the difference because uh, tracks are very generic. Uh, everybody's jumping everything the same way from the, the guy that, don't qualify in um, in, in uh, 250 class. Right. To the guy that wins 450 is they jump pretty much the same thing. 20 years ago, they wasn't that way. Yeah, like in practice this last weekend, you, Forkner was doing that quad that they kind of took out. And yeah, that, that would have never happened on a 125. No way. Yeah, I don't know why they took this out anyway. I, I thought it was kind of stupid. I'm like, <laughs> you know... Just instead of taking jump out, why don't you change tra uh, transition? Make the face steeper so you cannot jump it. Yeah, you know I don't, I don't understand this stuff really. Um, I don't understand this. Oh, they think about doing those split lanes too. I don't, I don't think they understand themselves what they're trying to do. I think like uh, a few. Uh, actually, last weekend in. Uh, Detroit, I thought this uh, split lane in practice was stupid because everybody was going uh, right yep. to that uh, quad that was knocked down. Right. It worked more in, in during the race. It, it, it was more even. But uh, let's say in Dallas, the idea of split lane was so, so stupid that it did. <laughs> I don't know. It usually it doesn't thinking. work. Yes, it usually don't work. And then. What they do and then I hate is uh, when it's not like a speed lane, but they it seems like they make the inside always faster when they do on a 90 degree turn or something. Right. Instead of making the inside uh, slower because it's the, the distance is smaller, mm -hmm. they do the opposite way. <laughs> I, I, I don't know. They leave the, the jumps on the outside and they knock down the... the the jumps on the inside, yeah, this, that makes no sense. And then the track, the track is is half of the the width now because nobody's gonna go outside. If you have to go longer, and then you have to hit more jumps, <laughs> right. so why would I, why would I go outside? 
Uh, <laughs> you're on, you're and right. And it was like this, and um, and then the it was like this, and uh, what was it? Glendale, Glendale. It was a when you would come back down uh, backwards on the starting line. Yes, and there's a big sweeper. It basically was the rhythm section before the whoops where Malcolm crashed. Same thing. That there was on the rhythm section. Uh, the first jump, they knocked down the the the, the inside. So everybody was riding the inside line, and it was after the width. Nobody went outside once. Right. Like, at one point, when you see that, just take a bobcat and go change it. Just the opposite way. Just put the, the bump on the inside and, and make the outside a little faster to, to, to have a good compromise and, and, and to be even. So I, sometimes I don't know what they, they, they're thinking, really. Well, maybe, maybe next year you could take the job over at Dirtworks. <laughs> I don't think that'd be like a tough job but to make it better. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. it's, you know, I walk the track. I'm like, hey, who's going to go outside here? Right. It's, yeah. You know, so I don't know. Well, hey, before I let you go, I want to ask you one more thing. Um, I know you go to Coachella and you're into music. Um, do you have a favorite band or a favorite concert? Uh, favorite band is Radiohead. Okay. Radiohead for like uh, 20 years. And uh, my friend No and uh, so I turned uh, forty in uh, two thousand seventeen, mm-hmm. and a uh, bunch of friends uh, they they got together and they got me a guitar uh, signed by all the members of Radiohead. Oh, awesome! Uh, yeah, so that was like a, like a sick gift. Uh, yeah, one of the best thing I ever gotten. It was uh, sick. And um, concert, um, you know, I was I'm kind of like a I love uh, Radiohead, and I like some, um, some more like uh, South uh, Soul stuff now that I'm older. Okay. Uh, um, th- this guy, this um, his name is uh, Ray Cliff, that I like. Um, but uh, I'm more like a metal guy. I think that the guy that I've seen in concert the most is Manson. Oh, you know, wow, I yeah. Like, uh, yeah, I like... Uh, Went to Manson. I like the show. Like uh, I went a couple of years ago. It was Manson and Slipknot. Yep, that was a cool show. Uh, Manson and Zombie. Uh, so and but you know, my my heart is Radiohead. Okay, you know it's kind of like a, and I saw Tom York. Uh, you know, a few months ago, uh, as a solo artist in San Diego in a small theater. It was uh, actually pretty awesome too. So very cool. Uh, and, uh, I just bought a ticket to Corn today. So oh wow! I'm going, I'm going to see Corn and uh, Alice in Chains in August. That'd be good. I'm a metalhead too, and I'll tell you what: I saw Corn um, about probably three weeks after Blind hit and they blew up into a big band. Um, yeah. They played a little club in Shreveport, Louisiana, which is about an hour from me. And when they booked the show, the owner of the venue, who I knew, like he expected, you know, a couple hundred people because nobody knew who they were. And then they just blew up with the song Blind. And there was about 1,500 people in this venue that's only supposed to hold 900. It was one of the craziest shows. Like, literally, we were literally standing on the, the railings of the steps and people were up in the rafters. Unreal show. Those guys. I saw, I saw them at the, um, you know, the. Uh, the concert venue where they had uh, ter- a terrorist attack in Paris. Oh, yeah, yeah, ago. yeah. Um, um, I saw Korn in that venue. Okay. Uh, maybe 10, 11 years ago. 
and uh, a small venue, like a theater, maybe like uh, 1,500 people too. Yep. But they were big. Ten years ago, they were huge. Oh, you know? yeah. And that was the most, uh, that, that was the, the craziest, like, energy that I've seen <laughs> in a concert ever. And yeah. I've seen a bunch of, I've seen, like, uh, Limbiscuit, I've seen, uh, like, you know, Linkin Park, and, you know, I've been to Coachella with uh, a bunch of, uh, you know, uh, rappers and sure. then, uh, you know, but that was that 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 show corn and uh, and we kind of like um, uh, I had common friends with Head, uh, the guitar player mm-hmm. from corn yeah. and then uh, so we had like a good seats and then and then my uh, my ex wife, uh, I one of the show got to meet him and, and stuff that was kind of cool. Um, Very cool, yeah. So yeah, yeah, I'm uh, you know I've seen corn many times too. That. You know, I like kind of that stuff. That's all. Yeah, I could talk music all night, but man, I'll let you go. I want to tell you thank you for coming on. Uh, I know you're very busy and got you probably have better things to do than talk on our podcast, but it means a lot to us. No worries. I'm going to go catch a movie tonight, so have fun. Okay, all David. Right? Thanks, buddy. Okay, bye. All right, see you. All right, David Villeman, the Cobra. That was awesome, dude. That was one of my favorite. <laughs> it's probably one of my favorite interviews we've ever done. All right, I got to take a quick break. We'll be back with Doc Bodner. Our next guest is brought to you by Works Wheels and Mods. Brett Hooper at Brett Works Wheels and Mods can do Cerakoting on any of your parts, make your bike look trick. He can do motor work, uh, pretty much any kind of mechanical work you need. Check him out on Instagram at Works Wheels and Mods or give him a call at 618-967-2198. So on the line with us is Chief of Staff at Alpine Star Mobile Medical Center, Mr. Doc Bodner. What's up? Hey, how you doing? Doing Not great. Doing great, man. Really uh, great to talk to you. Um, of course, read lots of articles about you. I see you on the TV every week at, at Nationals and Supercross. But, uh, man, what a great job you, you do for the industry. Oh, yeah, we, I appreciate it. I mean, it's, uh, it's kind of labor of love, we always call it, because, you know, working with the moto guys are just, it's a totally different kind of medicine. I'm an ER doc, you know, by, by training. But, uh, you know, being in the ER is a lot different sometimes with uh, what comes in and uh, patients are all over the place. But uh, these guys work so hard and, uh, you know, it's a traveling circus and a traveling family. So it's, it's really great to work with everybody. Yeah. Now, if I'm not mistaken, the original uh, mobile unit was in 2003? Uh, roughly, yeah. I mean, I started in 93 when okay. I got out of med school or residency. I was right there near Anaheim Stadium was my UCI there. So I went over and said, hey, do you guys, at that time, I'd been a flagger for like seven, eight years before that, before I went to med school and did all the Southern California races, all the supercrosses. Was a, one of those flaggers you guys like to yell at all the time <laughs> that are doing their job. But we were really conscientious, and, and they were all, uh, most of us were all riders. You know, that's how they got the pool of people, everybody who, who rode or raced. Yeah. So they used to, you know, I used to race desert and off-road all the time in Southern California. So, uh, yeah, getting there was fun. And But after med school, I realized, you know, uh, that hey, would, there weren't really any doctors there. You know, it, it was like the ambulance would come up and show up and grab somebody, and they'd be gone. And so, when I got out, I said, "Hey, I'd be happy." And for about well, seven, eight years, I volunteered from what ninety two, ninety three till two thousand. Just volunteered at all the West Coast races, just helping out, you know, with a bag running around. And yeah, and then around 
2000 is when I think CTI had just started Asterisk, and they were looking for something to exposure and stuff. And obviously, with the knee braces, that was kind of a good fit. So they hooked up with Tom Carson and uh, got sponsored. And so I could at least go to all the races and don't have to do it on for free and, <laughs> and at least get my travel and everything. So uh, yeah. that worked out, and then it just kind of snowballed from that. I've always wanted to have a regular you know, in my back of my mind, do all that, but I was not very entrepreneurial-like at that time and could figure out how to do all that. I was thinking, oh, who can I get sponsored? So, luckily, uh, Feld, at the, at that time, was probably Clear Channel, but, yeah. you know, same guys, but they all were trying to find a way, too, and then this sort of came out there. So, once we started in 2000, at least I could get to all the races, and including the Nationals, and then uh, we ended up getting some mules, or one mule, two mules, and then with the, the smaller rig, and then, I think it was 2003, we actually uh, got the first rig or 2002, something like that, and uh, then snowball from there, and uh, got a regular semi after that, and then uh, this is our third our third rig, but uh, now we're full on all the way every weekend. Yeah, it's really hard to, almost hard to remember, you know, as a fan, like that, yeah, you guys weren't always there. It was just like an ambulance, like at a local race almost, uh, you know, the, the technology that has gone into the sport whether it be the bikes or in all the way down to or over to what you guys do is amazing how far it's come in the last 20 years. Yeah, it's kind of amazing. You think back on you know, the races I would be flagging out where, you know, David Bailey and Ricky Johnson and all okay. those guys and, and their work, you know, when they crashed, they didn't want to go anywhere. They wanted to get back on the bike, so they would just do whatever they could and, yeah. you know, ignored the medics or whatever it was. And, you know, and our whole point after that was, well, let's make sure, you know, you know, we ride, we know you, what you guys do, we know what you want to do, we want to get you back on the track, but we can do things to kind of at least know you're not going to make something worse. You know, that was the hard part in the old days is nobody really knew. And <laughs> Iron you know, Man. same with concussions. Uh, you go out and just ride, and have, you know, ringing your bell was kind of almost in a badge of honor, and you got back on and finished your moto. Yeah. The, the Now, there's a system that Supercross uses with, Inside the helmet, I don't remember what that's called. That where it kind of helps open the helmet up, and so you guys can get the helmets off. Um, Correct. Yeah, it's, uh, it used to be called hats. If it's an old guy, you'll know because they'll ask for the hats off. And okay. If, yeah. If it's a newer guy, it's called the eject. Uh, once it uh, it was made by a guy in uh, England and uh, years ago, and uh, we I don't remember how I got turned on to it. Someone showed it to me and uh, years ago actually, but but at the time nobody really knew how to get it to work because you had to have a medic there that knew how to take it off and how to hook it up and use the inflator. And so I said, well, hey, guys, so I just bought a, a whole handful, a couple of thousand bucks worth, and would give them out to all the riders so we'd know how to show them how we use it. And the AMA, after a while, realized, especially then we were at every race and we had either myself or one of my other doctors at every single race, so we knew how to take them off. So it ended up being in the rule book. So we were real proud we got that put in the rule book that, they can't race without it in their helmets. Yeah, that's really impressive that you took all this initiative, you know, in the early days, like you say, going as a, you're a fan, you're flagging, and then you, you take this initiative to help out. And I mean, look where it's come. I mean, there's no telling. I mean, that, that, that might be one of the greatest um, assets that's come into the, into the sport in the last 20 years is your involvement and what it's become. Well, like I say, it's, it was sort of piecemeal, but it, that was in the back of my mind. But I, I think, too, it's just everybody in the motor industry is the same. Everybody wants to help. and yeah. it's, it's one of those few sports that if, you know, if your bike breaks, some other team guy might will help you out with your bike, you know, and, and any other kind of 
competitive sport. You know, everybody is kind of their own guy, and they don't want anything to do with the other teams. And so for us, or for me personally, I just was so into riding and so into racing and, and motocross. It was, it was just like, this was just a way to help out. So, you know, and luckily it's, I, I have a real caring wife, Tony, who's like all behind me, like, aren't, aren't you going to a race this weekend? <laughs> like, nice. oh, it's like, how come you're home this weekend? Actually, I'm working this weekend in the ER, so that's why this last weekend I missed missed Detroit. But uh, yeah, it's just uh, I don't know. It's something I just it's so rewarding too. I mean, working right. with I mean, we work with we do just not just the writers, but any of the team people, you know, the photographers, the, the uh, podcasters, <laughs> the uh, and uh, anybody that's part of our sport that travels with us can go to the medical center. So we do more than just the riders. Obviously, the riders come first, but yeah. Uh, so it's uh, I don't know it's just from a physician point of view it's really really great medicine it's it's just uh, people always laugh that I always light up when I start telling people <laughs> at work what I do you know because it's just it's just so much uh, so much fun to be there at the same oh, time. Oh, I agree. There's yeah, it's and on the other side it's always sad when someone does get hurt because you know them all and it's like right. the last thing you want to see is somebody not be able to go back out and you know and, and race that night. Yeah, so I know you can't give any specifics, but ha- ha- especially with concussions lately. Has there ever been a rider where you're like, okay, look, you're not going back out there, and it, be, you know, maybe they were a little less than happy about that? Yeah, in the early days, for sure. I mean, and, and in those days, no one really understood how concussions were, why they were so bad, and it's obviously come around, you know, over the years now. So, uh, but initially, they, you know, we didn't have the power to say you couldn't ride. Mm-hmm. So it was just everything we do to convince them it's not a great idea. But the bottom line was if they wanted to ride, we couldn't stop them. And now over the last 10 years now, since we've had a concussion program, and that's, uh, you know, we have the ability to pull them off and say you can't ride until they're cleared. And we have a hole on our website there. It's themedicrig.com just to, to farm that out there. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that has everything for the riders, anything they need to find out about, uh, whether it's about us per se, but if they need information to get their impact test or get their concussion cleared, it's all there, and we do it at, obviously, a track site, too. But now that we have a full setup, they have to go through a whole program and see a neurologist, and then it can get cleared to go back to ride. So it it's better for them, and I know they hate it, but it's gotten now where we get calls, me personally and myself, weekly and during the week that, oh, I had a rider at practice, I got a concussion. Mm-hmm. What do I do? So at least they're, they're you know, the team managers are a little more uh, or less resistant, I should say, to, you know, letting them go out there and possibly hurt themselves more. So they definitely call for advice, and um, I think that's better for the rider. And uh, I'm sure there's, we still know there's plenty of people that get concussions that we don't hear about. And, but, <laughs> It has gotten less and less, I think, over the years. Yeah, I think you're right. I've heard other interviews on Pulp and whatnot where, where team managers are like, you know, we, we told our rider he's not racing this weekend. And, you know, like, that's still – sometimes I, I hear that and I'm like, oh, wow, that's that's impressive, you know, because you, you kind of st- – I'm 43, so I still have that old-school mentality of, like, I'm surprised they're not saying, no, you're going to race. We don't care. You know, it, it seems like even the teams and the powers that be over the riders have understood that long-term – we need to take care of these guys. Right, and that's I was I always called it from the beginning as protect your investment. I mean, they yep. spent how much they spent on trainers and special foods and all this stuff, and yet, you know, it's the same thing with protective gear I'm always pushing, too, because it's like, if, you know, why not wear a chest protector and not get 
hit, you know, get <laughs> the wind knocked out of you or break a rib, because that could keep you out for months. And it's right. a simple thing. And same with concussion. You come back, like in the old days, they'd come back too early, and they'd crash the next week and break a leg. So it's, the, it's because they weren't all, all there all the time. And it is kind of interesting now that all the team managers are guys that I used to take care of <laughs> as riders true. on the track. So yeah. those, they all, they all kind of understand. And, and trust me, I think that I'm really do have their best interest. I'm not trying to be just a jerk out there and yanking people off randomly. So Yeah, you, you mentioned the chest protectors, and I, there's proponents out there that feel like that should be a mandatory uh, piece of safety equipment, no different than a helmet. Um, what are your thoughts on that? You think that regulating that something along those lines of, and making it mandatory, like in the GPs, that that would be beneficial? Yeah, I know FIM does, and I, I I'm real for them all the time. I don't. There's no to me no downside, um, but certain things like chest protectors, those are to me a no brainer. The problem was before, and it's luckily coming around that they weren't certified. You know, there's a lot of CE certification, mm-hmm. and especially in Europe and stuff. And so now that they've got more people testing these on a real basis, you can say, okay, this this chest protector meets all these requirements, and so it'll be easier for them to start. I think that's why FM finally did it, because now there's enough of them out there that are, because, you know, at the same time, all these guys are making chest protectors. You hate to throw them all under the bus and say, well, none of your, you know, all these companies can't use your protector. So now pretty much everybody's are getting certified. So that issue's gone, and I think we'll probably start seeing more of that. I know we're starting a, um, there's a, uh, AMA has a, another commission for safety and, and medical issues that's, that was started. Actually, Dr. Ryman, who he works with me there, and he's my backup and covers some. Um, he's the medical director for concussions for me, too. Um, he's he's going to be on that. So there's all these safety issues, and obviously we're going to be pushing for that stuff. And the biggest problem is is getting things that are we know work, and yeah. that's where we're working on that now a lot more. We're trying to get more get some studies going. And um, it's just like uh, neck braces. The the problem has been we were keeping data, and we still do for years on people getting injured. But the number total of, and luckily for paralyzing injuries, is pretty low. So, but because of that, it's hard to get a study that shows that something works because you need a, you know ten thousand injuries to be able to compare. Oh, okay. Like say with a brace or without a brace. So, um, there's actually a. a um, amateur group in uh, I think it's Michigan where we just started working with who have who has that kind of data so um, we're trying to collate a bunch of stuff hopefully in the next year or so we can come up with a better uh, something that says we know for sure works because here's the numbers and right that's always been an issue because it's uh, getting data is really expensive <laughs> so yeah I've and, heard that yeah we all this is you know and this is my part-time job I always <laughs> say it's my my fun job and I have a real job but but I mean, I work up till this year, four days a week. I work Monday through Friday morning, get on a plane that morning from work without sleeping, and go to the track, get up Saturday, race, come home Sunday, and go back to work on Monday again. Yep, so yep. you know, there's not a lot of time, unfortunately, to to put to it. So now no. that I'm semi-retiring, that that might speed up things too. Yeah, you're a busy guy, and I, I get it, man. I, I work a Monday through Friday job myself, and this is this is a, more of a hobby for me right now. It's something that I hope to grow into being something. A, a lot bigger, but yeah, I, I know where you're coming from. It's it's hard to find time, but what you're doing is very important, and, and I want to say thank you. I know you get thanked a lot. Um, it's very appreciated. Yeah, it's and like I said the reward is good too. I mean, every time someone gets on a podium and you know they were in the rig that day, and like, we can't go up there and <laughs> tell them that, but you know yeah. they know it. And, but it's everything's you know we it is HIPAA and all those regulations about. Sure. Uh, I don't know how to do it in the NFL because they're always telling the guy he broke his leg or whatever like in five minutes. So. 
I have to look at how they get away with that, but uh, it's, it's usually paperwork. Right. But yeah, it's, it's nice to know we work on somebody and, and do something and it really helps them out and then they get out there and, and get a good place on the podium. That That's a reward in itself. Absolutely. That's awesome. Hey, so the last thing I want to ask you about is just the progression of the equipment and the trucks. Um, so 2002, 2003, the original truck compared to the new truck, like what are the major upgrades? What do you have now that you didn't have then? Well, the, right away we got a lot of the, uh, you know, I mean, everything's kind of basic equipment. So all the all the splinting and, you know, casting material, if you come in, you break a leg, we can splint that. We can cast everything up. Um, we, if you get a lot of lacerations, we get guys that get cut really bad. So we can sew up, do quite a bit of, you know, pretty good size mini surgery in there to get you back. Like, especially mechanics, they, they'll, they'll always cut in the tips of their fingers or something. Or oh, okay. even cut them off, you know, getting caught in the spoke or the spoke and sprocket type deal. And uh, so there's a lot of things we can do there. But we also just recently, uh, thanks to the Caselli Foundation, got a uh, a ultrasound machine. So basically, I can look in the ER. We call it a fast scan. <clears throat> you can put it on and look at the belly, the chest, and the heart, everything really quickly, and see if there's any internal injuries. So that's really helped a lot because um, you know if we see something, then it's like, hey, we got to life flight you out for sure type of thing. Or if we don't see anything, it's like, well, do you really need to go in or not? Yeah. So uh, to the hospital because obviously if you have serious injuries, we're not going to take care of, you know, major things in the, in the rig. You know, if you've torn something internally, you have to go to the hospital immediately and, you know, or open fractures or unfortunate bones sticking out kind mm. of thing. Those are kind of, we know right away what's going to happen, but the ultrasound has really helped because it can fine tune stuff that <clears throat> we kind of know the severity right away. So that's been a big help. <clears throat> Excuse me. Yeah, but just equipment wise, just with you know Alpine Star coming on board now, you know we had Astros for years and years, and just unfortunately, just the economy and all that things went went away, and it's been really helpful because they have a a really good pool of testing they can do on a lot of equipment, and they're they're pretty first rate on that. So that's allowed us just buy more things, just in general gear and different. We have a backboard that's real special that that breaks apart that we can get them off the track earlier. Okay. So. Um, yeah, just a, little, a lot of little things, but the, the mechanics are pretty the same. It's just the rig is so well. It's our third one now, so it's really fine tuned to how we get them in the back, get them in the front, you know, side door, whatever. There's just everything kind of works really quickly now, and it's uh, it's well established. Yeah, well, it's definitely awesome seeing your presence at the races, and, and you know, it's it's a it's a negative thing when we see you on camera on TV because it means somebody probably went down but it's a positive that you guys are there and can get these guys comfortable and taken care of as quick as you do yeah it's kind of strange or the uh, riders will go by or the family and say hey doc we don't want to see you today okay I mean, <laughs> right. yeah I, I totally understand what you mean and that's yeah. fine and you know, so good days when I'm doing doing not a whole lot, just watching the races. But uh, and the families are appreciative too, even when they're not around. You know, like parents will come by and say, "Hey, I can't be there next weekend. I'm glad you're going to be around yeah. and take care of my kids." Type of thing. So yeah, it's uh, it's a whole good thing. But we don't want to be seen. That's that's even better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, man, Doc is is fantastic talking to you. Um, it means a lot that you take a few minutes to come on the show with us, and it was really great meeting you in Anaheim. Thank you so much. All right. We appreciate it, Jamie. Take it easy. We'll see you out there next time. Okay, bud. Take care. Thank you. You bet. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. All right, Doc Bodner, Alpine's, uh, Alpine Star Mobile Medical Center. You guys, you know who he is. You've seen him in the magazines. You see him on TV. Um, really, another great asset to the sport that we love. So, great, great him coming on. All right, so by the power of the magic of technology, I've got DJ TJ on the line. What's up, TJ? 
it's more magic than you realize because I don't have any service out here, so my phone calls are technically going through the Wi-Fi internet and then getting to your phone somehow. Well, that's that's actually how we talked to DV tonight. He uh, he texted me earlier and said, like, "Hey, I don't have a good signal at home. Just you have to call me through the WhatsApp because he uses his Wi-Fi too." So. <laughs> The the uh, quality was in and out a little bit, but man, he was a good interview. I think I really feel like it was one of our top five interviews. Man, DV is good. Always, always good. Yeah, I'm gonna. I've got a little sound clip that once I once I render the the interview or the show from tonight and get it posted, I'm gonna cut this little thing out. And I'm gonna send it to you later. It's pretty funny. Awesome. Yeah, I'm working awesome. on getting the editing, but we're wrapping this up. All the interviews are done. Um, I want to tell you, I, I haven't really discussed this with you, but Dane Evans with Mad Jack Synthetics and Amsoil, he uh, he hit me up with a proposition. me stuff. What's that? I'm the winner? No, you are not the winner. You're the loser. You're the all-time loser. Yeah. Maybe I finally won something because I wasn't in studio, right? No, no, no. But hey, so what what he's doing is he's given he's given away a wholesale a wholesale um, sponsorship, which basically he's gonna get it gives somebody the opportunity to buy all their oil for their vehicles, any vehicles they own, any toys they have at wholesale prices. It's a major major savings for anybody that wow. wants. Yeah, it's really cool. Um, I kind of I did the read earlier. I talked about it a little bit, but here's how we're gonna do this, TJ. So you got to help me out with our social media a little bit. Um, so if you if all right. I know you don't do a lot of social media, but you're on Instagram. So here's what we're going to do. If you'd like to enter the contest, <laughs> the Moto X Pod Show contest with Mad Jack Synthetics and Dane Evans for a one-year sponsorship with one of the best oils on the market, all you have to do is follow our show, Moto X Pod Show, on Instagram uh, and Twitter. Um, follow Dane underscore Evans 393 on Instagram. You, he's, it's pretty easy to find. You can just search him out. Or Dane Evans 393 on Twitter. You got to like and follow the Mad Jack Synthetics page on Facebook, which you cannot do that because you don't like Facebook. I'm talking to you, TJ, not the listeners. You still, you're still in and out a little bit, so I can't really tell if you're there. Sorry about that. That's all right. I'll, I'll cut all these dead, this dead air out here in a minute. But anyway, um, and if anybody's confused with everything I said, man, just hit us up at the Moto X-Pod show uh, dot com contact form. Go to our website. Go to the contact form. I'll send you the what you got to do. But then after you've liked those pages and followed those pages, we want you to send us an email. Uh, at, same thing, contact form with basically a picture of your bikes or any of your toys or vehicles that you want to have covered on your Amsoil, just so that we know that you're interested. Um, and that that's pretty much it. It's not. It sounds really confusing, TJ. The way I read it. Um, but it, but I'll I'll post something on our social media. I'll post it on our website. Um, but yeah, man, we want to get people involved with using Amsoil. You're running Amsoil on your bikes. I'm running it in mine. Your, our vehicles. What do you think about Amsoil? Man, I have been very impressed with it. I've, I've got it in my two smoker. I um, going to be racing Daytona on the Vintage Day mm-hmm. with that with that Amsoil oil. So that's going to be awesome. And then if anybody just follows me and it sends me a message, I'll put them at the top of the list. I need some more followers because I've been giving my son a hard time. So I told him I could get more followers than him. Yeah, you're just not very active. That's the uh, problem. I know. because I'm an old, boring man. You're definitely old and boring. So, yeah, true. Yeah, <laughs> you're not as cool as I am, man. I mean, I don't know. It's it's hard, though. You know, I mean. Hey, just wait. Just wait. I've got some things in the works. Okay. I'm about to start up doing more videos and stuff like that. And yeah. I'm going to be doing them on my YouTube page stuff because... <laughs> And then linking the stuff through our YouTube page. I think a lot of the stuff people are going to like, 
maybe they won't on some of it. So I'll kind of pick and choose on where <laughs> yeah. I put it. But um, I think well, it'll, yeah. So like I'm about to redo the roof on the RV and I figured, hey, I'm a moto guy. It's a moto RV. So we're going to, you know, just, just cool videos like that. Just something, something to do. Okay. Maybe I can get internet yes. famous. Yes. That, I can quit those, the oil field. Those cool videos of replacing a roof on an RV. Those are so cool. You're such you're a just wait, dork, you're, just wait. you're going to watch the video and you're going to be like, you're going to be like, that was done amazingly. I'm not even going to watch the video, dude, because I know it's going to have crappy music and it's going to be goofy. <laughs> wait a minute. Wait, wait. Did the, where I am talking to the person who did a video of a tour of his building in his backyard. Yeah, that was pretty boring, too, but I was just trying to put some content out just like you were. But at least the video had freaking, <laughs> like, signed pro jerseys, dude, and I have Eli Tomac's number one plate. I mean, it's kind of cool. Yeah, the stuff that I do is going to definitely be a lot of, like, not necessarily how-to, but how Repairs I did. Man, it's not, I mean, how you can do stuff the cheapest, Yeah, that's the kind of the plan. Right, right on. Well, and speaking of our YouTube channel, TJ, I don't know if you've noticed, but um, one of our listeners, Eric yep. Tetzleff, I don't know if that's how you say his name, um, It's uh, he's at T-E-T-Z-L-A-F-F underscore racing 46, but he, he was the first listener to send us some YouTube or some video content of one of his races. And I posted it up on our YouTube channel, something we've been asking for, for our listeners to send us some videos, some clips of them riding or hanging out with the bench racing with their buddies. And yeah, we put it on our YouTube channel. That's pretty cool. You know what I'd like to see? I'd like to have a couple of our listeners send in a video of like their riding spot. Like, yeah, that's yeah, they, exactly. Whether it's their local track or, and then not just a video of them riding, but, Tell us about the spot. Tell yep. us why you love it. Do a cool video, and and we'd love to push that up. And then um, obviously, don't put try not to put a bunch of music in the background where we don't, you know, because if you put that stuff in there, then it's gonna be it could get copyright stuff or whatever. But um, you know, right? So we could add music or send it without it. I don't know how all that works yet. I'm learning all that, but yeah, send a video of your riding spot of what where you like to hit up on the weekends. You ain't got to tell us where it is if it's a secret <laughs> spot, but show us why it's awesome. Right. Yeah, that's. What, I, I really want Tony Cutler to do that when he's riding over there in New Zealand, um, and I think he will eventually. He said he was working on something like that, but yeah, I'd love to see some of the riding spots in just different parts of the country, different parts of the world. If you know, We've got some listeners up in Canada or whatever. It'd be really cool. So, yeah, hopefully they'll they'll send us some footage um, at motoxpodshow at gmail.com or go to the contact form on the website. It all comes to the same email, and I can get that posted. Um, I was about yeah. to say something else. That'd my mind awesome. just went blank. But anyway, but um, oh, we had a, me and DV had a really great conversation about music at the end of the interview. So I'm really stoked. Yeah, he's like into club style music, isn't he? Uh, he he's he's a metalhead at heart. That's his favorite. We were talking about going to see Corn and really? Slipknot. I yeah. didn't know that. Yeah, at one of the pulp shows, he played some Corrosion of Conformity. When he played that, I was like, I, I sent him a message on Twitter. I was like, holy shit, that's COC. And he's like, yeah, I love that band. And that's when I knew he was he was right up wow. my alley. So, yeah, he's but he likes all kinds of music. He does like that other stuff, too. Like he said, Radiohead's his favorite band. But, um, yeah, so we had a good little music conversation. Um, but anyway, I did. Want, I wanted to bring up the the Mad Jack Synthetic sponsorship giveaway again. I will post this on our website. I will post the the rules on our social media so everybody can check it out. If you have any questions, just hit me up on email. Um, but then I also, TJ, I, I kind of briefly talked to you about our new sponsor earlier. I mentioned them at the beginning of the show, or mentioned him. It's uh, Kyle Tucker. He's a real st- he's a realtor with Keller Williams Key Partners, and he can help you buy or sell your home. Doesn't matter where you are. 
Um, if you're if you're not in his area, he still can get you in contact with somebody. He's a moto guy. He wants to support the show, so we want to support him. Hey, you know what's awesome? It's really, really hard to find a good real. Trust me, because we have somebody who's a family member, and we were kind of lucky when we bought our house that was did real estate. But it's hard to find somebody you can trust and somebody who's in the industry, somebody who's a moto person. I mean, that's like family. So make yep. sure we support our moto family. Yeah, definitely. And you know, he's. He's on board to help the show out. Um, you know, if you know, it, it's a business. He's he's he likes the show, and he's he, but he's also working for a business, so he's going to help us out for a little while and see how it goes. But quite honestly, if none of our awesome. listeners contact him, there's no reason for him to stay a sponsor of the show. Um, and I understand that. So we, you know, if you guys are looking for some real estate or wanting to get rid of some real estate, please, man, hit up Kyle. Um, and if you, you know, forget the number again, contact me, and I'll get it to you. Yeah. That's awesome. So, hey, before we wrap this thing up, um, it's show's going a little long at this point for normal. People are probably bored with me already, but what do you think about Detroit? What do you think about the Triple Crown? Oh, I mean, you have to ask. I say Triple Crown all 17 rounds. Yeah. I think that I was going to – I'd like to say and, and get somehow figure out a way to – the 450s do the Triple Crown. The 250s, they just have two races. You know what I mean? I don't think they need three races. I think there should be a separation between – the 450 class and the 250 class. Yeah. But right. that's just me. That would shorten well, the show and give them a chance to put longer breaks. Yeah, I think Daniel Blair mentioned something like that, like start with the 450s, then do a 250. Then I think he said how – I think this was last night because he was co-hosting with Mathis. He said then do like a – you know, do the uh, the B main for the guys that didn't make it or something along those lines – then you go back, you have another 450, 250, and finish with the 450. Exactly how it should be done. <laughs> All right. Well, uh, give me one highlight from the weekend before we wrap this up. Um, not getting dead last in fantasy. I mean, I hated fantasy the week before, and I was quitting watching racing. I was just going to watch basketball. Mm-hmm. But, I, I mean, I got beat by one terrible player. But other than that, I did really good. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, I've been doing pretty good the last few weeks. Uh, JT was on earlier for just a few minutes at the opening of the show, and I was like, man, I'm, I'm trying to catch up to him. I got 266 this week. I think I won one of my and leagues. You won our league. Did I win the, our you league? You won okay. our league. I couldn't remember which one. The, the yeah. pulp, the, pulp uh, in, the industry idiots one, man. I still was, I was like seventh or eighth or something like that, but I have moved into the top 1,000. I think I'm inside 1,000 finally, like 800 and something or something. <laughs> <laughs> Which I'm like, I didn't think that would ever happen. So, yeah. That's awesome. All right, TJ. Well, I'm going to wrap this thing up, um, get this, get us out of here, get this thing posted tonight. And uh, just for anybody that's listening, I've got a bonus show coming Friday. I didn't tell you that either. So, And YouTube live next week. Yeah, you'll be back. That'd be awesome. I think JT's, JT said he would be in studio because he and Doc are leaving the next day for uh, Daytona. So He thinks he is. Well, let's let's get him in studio anyway, so we can get everybody on air and have right. a full show. And yeah, a bonus show coming Friday though. I got uh, Kyle Cunningham, uh, Julian Perrier with T, uh, Team PR. Shit, that's not right. P, um, T, team PR MX. Sorry, the Privateer team. I totally slipped my mind there for a second. And then I've got a, yep. I've got um, a couple of the KTM Junior kids that were at Glendale and Arlington. They're twin twin boys. They're going to come on. And I'm going to get all that up f- f- probably Friday morning. That'll be posted. So bonus show for everybody this week. And, guys, if you don't tune in, uh, Lun MX, he, he had his great videos. His boy yep. had an um, 
unreal wreck. His boy just just broke his arm. I know it doesn't sound good, but for what could have happened. And um, our thoughts go out to him. I hope the boy gets a speedy recovery. So. Yeah, when he was on last week on air, that his son was in the emergency room, like he was out in the car talking to us. I was like, dude, yeah. you you don't have to stay on the phone. But yeah, yeah. Clint's a great guy. So yeah, I'm glad people are discovering that. Yeah, right. yeah. Bye, man. All right, TJ, we'll wrap this up, and I'll see you next week, bud. Later. All right, see ya. All right, that is it for episode 114. Um, I think he was having a hard time hearing us because he's talking to us through Wi-Fi, the Wi-Fi. But anyway, we'll be back next week with episode 115, and we should have a full house in studio. See ya.